Welcome to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from April 8th, 1994. From the high desert in the great American Southwest. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Coast to Coast AM PM. That's what I call it in this hour. <laughs> welcome in everybody. It is the weekend, officially. My name is Art Bell and we've got nothing but clear sailing and talk radio ahead of us. I've got a real treat for you uh, at uh, next hour. I've got to remember not to give times. We're across so many time zones. But next hour, I'm going to have Representative Charles Duke from Colorado. Who is he? He is uh, the man who is the co-sponsor of the joint resolution number 94-1035 regarding state sovereignty in Colorado, the one that just passed the Colorado House of Representatives by a vote of 51 to 13 and is expected to go through the Colorado Senate. The governor there does not have to sign it. So it looks like it's going to be a reality, and we're going to find out next hour what it's all about. So he'll join us. Otherwise, there's a lot of news this morning, and I'll skim through some of it. What I try to do on a Friday night, Saturday morning, is to let the show swing open and let you do whatever you want to do a little more than usual. Um, I'll tell you uh, the news, Japan, South Africa, uh, a story on 2020 regarding assault on the mail that was uh, almost a psychic follow-up to what we talked about the other day. Prayer in school, salmon fishing, no more, not in the American Northwest. Kurt Cobain uh, has committed suicide. We'll talk a little bit about that. A survey on drugs and a whole lot more. There's just a lot to uh, do this morning. Number one, Prime Minister Hosokawa only just recently installed as Prime Minister. Yesterday resigned unexpectedly, shocking Japan. He was forced out by a minor financial scandal after pushing through reforms unpopular with the political establishment in Japan. The Japanese stock market did a total flip, dropped 400 points in five minutes. Then bargain hunters stepped in and brought it back up. It has shaken the average Japanese person who thought finally they had a stable government, a young leader, real leadership, uh, completely free of scandal. Wrong. He had promised political reform and open markets. He delivered the reform and opened the Japanese rice markets. What brought him down, now this is very interesting, what brought him down was his own questionable campaign financing 12, count them, 12 years ago. So then, how about our President Clinton? They say, well, leave him alone. Uh, it happened ten years ago. The Prime Minister of Japan this morning has been brought down by his own campaign financing troubles a dozen years ago. So why not Bill Clinton? Four of Japan's last five Prime Ministers have quit in disgrace. So I guess the questions are, what do you think this all might mean for U.S.-Japan trade relations? Nothing good, no doubt. Do you think that this prime minister was, in effect, politically murder, murdered, that's what I call it anyway, for the market reforms that he sought? 
In other words, in my way of thinking, he rubbed a lot of people in Japan the wrong way. There is concern tonight that an emergency summit meeting may be the only thing that can avert an, uh, an all-out civil war in South Africa. And it looks like it's coming. They had a big uh, secret meeting, and after it, the Nkata representative said there were no agreements. The nation's first all-race election is 18 days from now. The meeting uh, was four men, the Zulu king and his chief minister, Nelson Mandela, and, of course, F.W. de Klerk. So far in fighting, in the last week, about 130 have been killed. And now, more likely than ever, a full South African civil war. Should it break out, the question is, should the U.N. slash U.S. get involved, or should we stay out of this one? Seems to me the uh, New World Order has never been in more trouble than it is right now. In Central Africa, real trouble, Rwanda and Burunda, I believe it is, Burunda, the presidents of both those countries were killed in what was thought to be a rocket attack shooting down their airplane. The BBC this morning is reporting thousands of bodies. Let me repeat that. Thousands of bodies. There are 255 American civilians there. We may need to evacuate them. President Clinton is calling the situation serious. And so between Central Africa and South Africa on the verge of a civil war, I just don't know what we're going to do or what we should do. But it seems to me this is one place we absolutely cannot become involved. But, of course, I'm wrong, and we can, and you know it. Now, strangely, I talked to you last week about my mail. The mail I receive uh, from a lot of you, uh, in my estimation, some of it gets tampered with. Sometimes, I suppose, it is innocently ripped open. Sometimes, perhaps, not so innocently. There were 171 billion pieces of mail last year, every year, delivered by the U.S. Post Office. That's a lot. And so I suppose the assault on the mail, or the fraud, is, by the numbers, small. But cash, credit cards, food stamps, greeting cards, all of these are targets of thieves inside and outside the post office. And 2020 last night, and it almost uh, it sent little uh, shivers up my spine, showed video pictures of postal employees ripping open letters, looking for cash, credit cards, anything else that might be sent through the mail. Of course, everybody knows don't send cash through the mail, but people do it. They put a $20 bill in for a son or daughter uh, for this or that or more. There were 6,800 arrests last year people uh, tampering with the mail. One in five of that number, unfortunately, work for the post office. There are 22,000 complaints every year of stolen food stamps. And um, there are even reports, I'm sorry to say, of postal employees, delivery people, who are, I guess, sick or lazy or whatever it is, sick of delivering the mail, 
instead of delivering the mail, just taking it and dumping it in the dumpster. And so again, this morning, particularly in view of the story on 2020, I thought I would ask all of you, are you satisfied with your mail service, with your mail delivery? Are you having any problem? Now, I get a lot of mail, arguably, I know. I get a very great deal of mail, but I do find uh, quite a bit of it uh, uh, in some way apparently tampered with. And, of course, you never know about the mail you don't get, uh, except for people call you up and say, hey, Art, did you get this or that? There are armed assaults of letter carriers as never before. There are assaults on external apartment mailboxes, you know, the ones where there's all kinds of mailboxes together, and they just uh, kick or rip them open. And um, so it's a big problem, I guess, with the mail. And I began to feel it myself before I knew 2020 was even going to do a story on it. So um, I was quite surprised about that. Prayer in school. Mississippi has now become the fourth state to find a way around the Supreme Court's controversial ban on prayer in school. Uh, they joined Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. The Republican governor of Mississippi signed the bill, which, get this, was passed by a Democrat legislature there. This bill allows prayer in school just so long as the students originate the idea that it does not come from the principal or the school board or the teachers. As long as the students decide they want to do it themselves, it is apparently okay. Now, there are a lot of groups that are naturally beginning to challenge this, and I wonder how you feel about it. Do you think if it is the students themselves that decide that they want to do it, that it's okay? Or is it not okay? You tell me. Kurt Cobain, and I guess this shows... Uh, how out of touch I'm beginning to get with rock and roll. Kurt Cobain was uh, one of the nation's top rock and roll singers. I never heard of Kurt Cobain. He uh, was the lead singer for a group called Nirvana, and I guess yesterday he committed suicide. Born in 1967, died in 1994, shotgun blast, self-administered, up in the Seattle area. He... Uh, originated a music and fashion style called grunge. Do any of you happen to know what grunge is? I'm, I'm embarrassed. Not only did I not know who Kurt Cobain was, but I've not heard of grunge either. I have heard just of Nirvana. It is the same old story. Drugs, alcohol problems. But he sold 15, uh, Kurt uh, and the group sold 15 million albums. And you've always got to wonder why all of these artists have to go so early. Uh, you could run through a whole list of them, and, um, and I won't do it. I won't bore you with that. But you know the number of rock stars that have one way or the other left this world uh, by their own hand. And you have to wonder why there's so much of it. Why do they do it? Is it the pressure? Is it the drugs? Is it the alcohol? What is it? Do they just want to be remembered as a uh, young, pretty corpse, as the old saying goes? Or what is the story here? Is the pressure just uh, too much for them? I, I don't know. Just open to speculation.
got this uh, fax from Danny Castillo in uh, uh, Albuquerque. Hello, Art. Thank you for your fair response in reading my facts over the air. It felt good to get that out. I love your programs. Find myself absolutely hooked on your many intriguing topics. As for the flocking of Michael, I'm in absolute agreement in the uh, punishment to be administered. I'm sure this young man was in full agreement to any and all hospitable benefit provided by the Singapore government and its people. Therefore, he should accept the punishment in concurrence of their laws with the same grace. Then he sends the following messages. Charlie, you don't have to agree with everything that a person says or does just because you vote for him. I'm certain that if Bill Clinton was inflicted with a pimple on his butt, he would not agree with it. Go put some oxy on yourself and stop making us Democrats look bad. Leonard, stop putting so much starch in your shirts. <laughs> Mr. Socialist, the feds are broke. We are broke. Find a community clinic. Pavo, rest in peace. Doc Democrat, I agree with you a lot, but say you're wrong on the punishment issue. This kid deserves it. All the conspiracy freaks. The comet to hit Jupiter is a plan schemed by the Clinton administration in order to cover up the upcoming fact that Robert Reich is really a lawn jockey brought to life by drugs being smuggled into Little Rock and sold to the pharmaceutical giants by Hillary Clinton, <laughs> the same company where she owns stock. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Uh, there is a survey out this morning. That was funny. There's a survey out this morning showing that only 50... Now, this is amazing. Only 54% of America's teenagers think that trying cocaine is a dangerous endeavor. Can you believe that? Only 54%, a bare majority of America's teens, think trying cocaine would be a dangerous endeavor. And I can only ask, how could this possibly be? How could this be? After all the, here we have your brain um, frying in a frying pan on drugs and blah, 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 and all the messages... The fact of the matter is, America's teenagers don't believe it. Now, um, I worry that this may be the result of combining uh, marijuana with these other drugs. In other words, they try marijuana and they find that it is not what it was preached to be, the great evil. And so they then conclude automatically that the next step up also is a lie. And of course it isn't. Uh, cocaine is tremendously, terribly uh, dangerous. And um, so I don't know. It might be that. It might be just simple ignorance. It might be they never watch TV or radio. Well, we know that's wrong, right? Uh, they watch TV and listen, at, and listen to some radio. Maybe not this kind of radio, but some radio. Salmon. The first ever total ban on salmon fishing off the coast of northern Oregon and all of Washington. No commercial fishing. No sport fishing, and the answer is, the reason they're doing it is, the salmon are about gone. Well, going. Some people blame the uh, dams that uh, man has built for, you know, preventing the uh, salmon from reaching salt water, fresh to salt water. It may already, they say, be too late. And I guess this might be one place where you'd say, perhaps we've had too much of a good thing. Fortunately, there's plenty of salmon in Alaska, so I suppose companies like Port Chatham uh, will survive. 
but they're going to stop the uh, fishing off the coast of uh, Oregon and Washington. And that uh, that is very serious. That's going to affect a lot of people's lives. And I wonder if it affects yours, how you feel about it. Here's um, a fax from Randy, listening on KHVH Talk Radio, 8.30 a.m. in Honolulu, Hawaii. Art. You want to talk about welfare whales? Well, then you ought to come to Hawaii for some whale watching then. This state is one of the richest, highest taxed in the Union. Where does the money go? To whopping whales on welfare. It's no joke. It is a very sad affair that in some of these people, uh, well, they're not even full citizens. There are people on the system that are aliens from the Philippines, Samoa, Tonga, the rest of the Pacific Basin. I know because I was once living in a government housing area located next to the beautiful Aloha Stadium. We would see two or three families living in one unit, which was illegal. But the system never seemed able to catch them. They would use addresses from other people's homes or P.O. boxes and just collect. And, of course, that uh, brings to mind yesterday's um, discussion with regard to welfare. And uh, welfare is a terrible problem in this country. And I continue to suggest two things. One, if you have any thoughts on what we can do about it, I'd like to hear them. Uh, Two would be, uh, I continue to observe, without uh, uh, being ashamed of it, that uh, so many of the, and I saw another piece on welfare, and every time I see a piece on welfare, it's great big old fat women. Now you explain that one to me. Well, they have a big starch diet, people will say. I think they don't move off the couch, and they just sit there feeding their faces uh, at our expense, and that's how they get so fat. At least that's what I conclude. Okay, um, one last item. And again, I want to remind you at, uh, at midnight, uh, we're, or that is to say in the next hour, they keep slipping up there in the next hour, uh, we're going to have the uh, sponsor of the amendment in Colorado, the sovereignty amendment. We're going to find out what that's all about. Get this. The National Council on Crime and Delinquency says that a debit card system in America would reduce crime by as much as 40%. The San Francisco-based council published a report in December calling for an electronic debit system to replace the use of cash. (laughs) Uh, It cites Justice Department figures showing 80% of all crimes involve currency. Did you know that? Eight out of ten crimes in America involve the use of currency. So I wonder, would you be for or again a debit card? Is that a good idea or a bad idea? A lot of people are going to regard it as um, 1984. In 1994, I know, but it is at least one idea, uh, one way to cut down on crime that does not involve, at least initially, the police breaking through your door unannounced to take a look around. All right, well, we'll dive into open line talk radio here in just a moment. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time.
Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from April 8, 1994. All right, to the telephone lines. It is the weekend, and here we go. On the toll-free line, you're on the air, top of the morning. Where are you calling from, please? Hi, Art. I'm, I'm calling from St. Louis over powerful KSD. Boy, I'll tell you, that is some radio station. Oh, it really beams out at night. Yes, sir. And a good alternative down the dial. We won't get into that. Uh, Art, I want to talk to you about something about uh, Mrs. President and Mr. Pinocchio. Uh, uh, what she's doing with her health care uh, plan I think is unconstitutional. If I'm not mistaken, I read in Parade Magazine that there will be no no more nepotism in the federal government, which was signed as a bill in 1967. Well, I guess they, they have a hard time uh, preaching about nepotism, eh? Well, I, apparently they do, but, uh, you know, President Johnson uh, signed a bill, you know, after uh, uh, JFK made uh, Robert F. Kennedy attorney general, he signed a bill that there will be no more nepotism in the federal government, and, I, you know, I'd like your opinion on Well, how... I believe that there was a court ruling uh, saying that, in essence, Mrs. Clinton was, in fact, a federal employee for all practical purposes. So what do you call that? Husband well, elected president, uh, wife putting together the nation's health care plan? Well, I think it's, it's kind of skirting the issue. Don't you agree? Well, kind of. Of course. I mean, from what kind of a moral pulpit can you preach about nepotism when you are the number one practitioner? Well, that, that, that I agree with you. And also, as far as, you know, they're taking away our rights and chipping away them as far as gun control and as far as tobacco. I smoke, and I understand you smoke, too. That's right. And uh, they're hypocrites there, too, because why are they still subsidizing tobacco farmers? Which I agree with, but why are they doing that, then? Well, because um, they're hypocrites. Yeah, well... That's straight I, out. They're hypocrites. It's that simple. Uh, I'll tell you, liberals seem to have less problem with hypocrisy than any other group. Oh, I agree with you 100%. All right, and well, very... I see that in our state of Missouri, and, uh, you know, all we're doing is getting taxed. Uh, our governor, uh, Carnahan, has, has had the most highest increase of taxes of any govern, governor in the whole state in history. And uh, So you think he'll be reelected? Well... I don't know. This liberalism seems to be really catching fire. You know, I'm I'm a conservative like you are, and I I've always voted a straight Republican ticket. And I'm a conservative person, you know. But uh, who knows? You know, if uh, the country will elect somebody with only 43 percent of the electoral vote, you know, I guess you know anything can happen. Don't you agree? Or anything can happen is exactly right. All right, I've got to take off. Thanks a million okay, for the thanks. call. Okay, Nice talking with you. All right, nice talking with you. And he said something, and I've never really said this because nobody's really even mentioned it. But did you know I don't vote straight Republican? I do not. There are, and I won't say who, uh, but there are a couple of Democrats uh, that I voted for. And I just, I don't do that. I don't vote anything straight. I study, I, I guess I conduct my voting the way I do my program. I try and study the issues. I am generally a conservative person. But I'm, I'm not lockstep with anybody's party or philosophy. And I try and study each issue and person as they come along and make my own independent decision. I don't see how anybody can do it. Well, of course you can do it another way. But I don't do that. Does that uh, surprise you? On the uh, toll-free line, you're on the air. Hello. No, you're not. On the first-time caller line, though, you are on the air. Top of the morning. 
Hi, Art. I'm calling from Tri-Cities. Tri-Cities, Washington, K-O-N-A. Yep, that's correct. I listen to your show just about every night working for the post office. I worked a night shift out there. Oh, you do, huh? Yeah, I sure do. Tell and, me, do uh, you, do you uh, in, in the post office where you work, do you have cameras focused down on you? I'm not sure if we have cameras or not, but I know there's hallways with windows that that people see done through everything that we're doing. Well, what do you have to say about this story? I mean, it sounds pretty bad. Well, I'm not sure, but in, at the in fall, or every four years, a contract comes up, and it seems like we get a lot of bad publicity every time that we have a contract coming up. Plus, I know that there's like seven. 700,000 people, that's about the size of the city of Pittsburgh, I guess, that work for the post office. There's going to be a few bad people in there. No doubt about it, but, boy, they had some pretty awful pictures, you know, pillaging mail, pulling stuff out of envelopes, $20 bills sent to kids, that kind of thing. Yeah, I didn't see the, um, I didn't see 2020 this evening. I wish I would have caught it, but... Well, maybe it's a blessing you didn't. It just pro probably would have made you sick. Yeah, probably would. But look, I, I'll tell you, I get a lot of mail, and I have noticed uh, some difficulty with it. Uh, torn things, uh, torn as though they were looked at and then sort of just slopped back into uh -huh. the envelope, that kind of deal. Well, sometimes businesses, they'll send out mass quantities of mail, and the back of one letter will get stuck to the other one. And in order to, to deliver one of them, you have to tear the seal off the back of them so you can separate them. They'll, they'll be stuck together, and machines kind of eat them, too. I'm not... I'm not. You can't deny the pictures. There's a few bad apples, you know, out there. But in the whole, I've, I've you know, everybody I work with, very honest people. Well, that would have been my guess. I mean, they're talking about what 750 billion pieces of mail delivered every year. That's a lot of mail. Yeah, it is. That's a lot of mail, and most of it goes through without a problem. Uh -huh. Well, I just called and thought it'd stick up for the post office. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad you did. Thank you. Okay, and take care. And he says he's never seen any of it. If you saw the story on 2020 last night, it would give you the heebie-jeebies. And I'll tell you, I mentioned it earlier in the week before I knew about the 2020 story. And um, I mentioned it because I've had a little personal problem. And so that's why I'm asking how many of you, have you had a problem like that? Do you have mail that just doesn't get through? Do you notice that mail uh, with something in it of value is not getting through? Naturally, don't send cash. That goes without saying. And I want to remind you, our toll-free line is open for anybody east of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. It's Leonard. Right. Do you ever listen to the Roger Prudenberg show? No, I don't get a chance to. Uh, very rarely, because uh, I'm preparing for my own program at that time, Leonard. Well, about a week ago, he had a caller by the name of Norman, I think, from St. Petersburg, Florida. Yes. And he told how he'd kicked the cigarette habit. Yes. Have you heard his story? No, Leonard, I haven't. Would you like to have him call you, or would you like me to recount what he told as best I could? Well, how did he do it? Well, he uh, said there was a, an evangelist by the name of Grant came to town and held some special meetings, and his wife thought she'd like to go, and she asked him if he wanted to go, and he said yes, so they went, and... He announced that the next night, or in the following meeting, he was going to have a special service for anybody that wanted to kick the cigarette habit. Oh. So his wife asked him if he wanted to go to that, and he said, no, he didn't. He was busy, and he wasn't going to go. To come to the last night of the meeting, and she kind of liked to go again, he said, yeah, he'd go to the last meeting. So the evangelist Grant, uh, in the process of 
getting ready to sing a song. He says, now I'm going to sing this song, and when I say the word Jesus, if there's anybody in the crowd who wants to get rid of the cigarette habit, you stand up, pick up your pack of cigarettes out of your pocket, and throw them at me as hard as you can throw them. <laughs> so he said the evangelist sang the song, and he was a good singer. Why not just throw them down? You know, instead Pardon? of throwing, why not throw them down instead of throwing them at the evangelist? Well, I couldn't answer that question. That's a new one on me. So, when he said the word Jesus, why he threw this pack of cigarettes as hard at the evangelist as he could throw them. I imagine he said Jesus and ducked. Well, I don't know what happened to cigarettes, but he said his his cigarette habit disappeared. He never was bothered with it again. Well, that that's a wonderful story, Leonard. I imagine the preacher probably uh, uh, had to go away and. Uh, Cure his black and blue marks. <laughs> All right, Leonard, thank you. Well, there it is. The power. The power. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I've tried about everything to kick this habit. You know You know what's really going to kick it for me? When they raise, and I've made a promise to myself, and I shall keep it too. When they raise the tax on cigarettes, I'm not, I'm not playing the game. I'm not going to do it. And that's what I'm going to quit. And every time I think of uh, a, a cigarette, I'm going to think of Bill Clinton. And uh, it's going to help me quit. I just know it. Uh, on our toll-free line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hey, Art, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Where are you? Uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington, Kentucky. Yes, sir. I, I've been listening to your show for about three months now when I found it, and I, I like this out of all the talk shows I listen to. Well, that's kind of you. Thank you. And um, I would like to tell you, I've, I've been what they call mostly... Uh, a life waste. I haven't been too uh, interested in the things that our country had went into about three or four years ago. About the end of Reagan's term, mm -hmm. I started paying attention to politics and stuff like that. What did it for you? Um, I think I started to grow up. In fact, I'm always curious about what gets people involved, you know, what the final straw is. Well, way back uh, when Reagan had trouble with Qaddafi, Yes. I started paying attention about that time, wondering how he was going to deal with it and things like that. Yes. And that's when I started to follow it. I pretty much agreed with what he was doing at that time. Um, I thought I didn't agree with everything that he'd done, but I, I, I was pretty much for a lot of things that he was doing. And then when uh, when uh, Bush was, re uh, was elected, I was pretty happy about that. I didn't want to caucus in. And I was very thoroughly unhappy when uh, President Clinton got into office. Well, that pretty well matches my. Uh, I, I wasn't very happy with George Bush in the, in the uh, uh, when, when just at, toward the end of his term, and um, I, I feel in a way I may have contributed to the election of Bill Clinton. I don't know, but I I just was not happy with George Bush, and I I don't retract that now. What depresses me is now I'm later in life. I'm 35 years old, but I'm not that old. But what depresses me is I in this presidency. I've tried to get involved. Like during the tax hike, I called my senators. I called my congressmen. I urged them to vote against the tax hike. And they said, what are you? Are you rich? Is this going to affect you? I said, no, I make about twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a year. I'm not rich. They said, well, it won't affect you that bad. I said, well, the people that pay me, it's going to affect them. Well, I think it, it is. It, get rid of that money. Yeah, it, it is. If you really think about it, indict, an indictment of them that they would uh, say to you, "Look, it's not going to affect you. What do you care? Get out of my face." That's an indictment of them because um, it, it 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 presumes that they think you would only act on self-interest. That's right. <laughs> That's I told them, I said, "I'm not a rich person, but the person that pays me is, and they need incentive to do business." And I'm a truck driver. I travel all across 48 states, and they, they've crunched the truck driving industry something terrible. 
just like they are the other people. Well, maybe the answer is when you yourself operate only on self-interest, you cannot imagine anybody else uh, uh, operating or uh, 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 trying to influence for any other reason. <laughs> I think that's, that's what that's it is. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Hello there on the wild card line. You're on the air. St. Louis, KSD 550. The mighty KSD, yes, sir. It is a powerhouse. I am a postal worker. Uh-huh. And I work at the main post office in, in, Saint, down, in downtown St. Louis. St. Louis, yeah. And uh, let me tell you, Art, I've been there for three years. It is a living nightmare. And it starts from the management, and it goes all the way down. All right, what is the nightmare? What's so awful about it? Well, let, let me say, it's, first of all, the management I have found to be uh, incompetent, mm. corrupt, mm -hmm. and abusive. And I found... Uh, but otherwise, they're pretty good guys, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the uh, majority of the people that work there really don't work. And uh, they're not honest. Uh, there is a lot of pilfering through the mail and, uh, you know letters or things that look like they might have cash, you know, <laughs> are getting open things, especially food stamps. They talk about food stamps. And yeah, 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 that's right. And so you've actually seen this now with your own eyes. Uh, I've seen uh, people get caught and get escorted out. And let me tell you, Art, these are good-paying jobs. These jobs pay $30,000, $40,000 a year, and, and people are, are, are so stupid that they're opening up and trying to rip off the mail. Some of them get caught. They're also they're also very carefully screened before they're employed, aren't they? No, 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 that, no, no, no. That's a, a misconception about the postal service. The, there is a lot of nepotism in the postal service. There is <laughs> really. I'm not kidding. People get hired by the fact that they have uh, relatives that work in the service. It happens all the time. Let me tell you, Art. It's a living nightmare, and and you wonder why. You know, uh, fellow employees are shooting each other. It's it's no accident. I mean, yeah. Well, what I've heard, and this is what I would like to ask you about. There's a very great deal of pressure. In other words, um, the the little guy, the sorter, those type people, they are under intense, continuous pressure, and that causes some of them to break. Is that about right? Uh, some. Uh, it depends on who you are. Uh, some, yes. Some are held to uh, productivity standards which are rigidly enforced, while others aren't because, you know, they happen to be in a clique or have, you know, related to somebody. It's it's really a terrible situation. There's a lot mm. of stress in there, a lot of anger, a lot of hatred. Uh, so, in other words, I should not be surprised when some of my mail gets ripped up or doesn't get to me. No, it, it, it's really, uh, from what I see and observe, it's, it's pretty commonplace, you know. It's, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, you hear the stories all the time. Oh, so and so got caught, you know, and, and got you know booted out the door. And, and let mm -hmm. me tell you one story before I go. I actually observed somebody coming in our postal facility wearing uh, a flak jacket, <laughs> and he was he he was a temporary casual worker. He came in, he was intoxicated, wearing a flak jacket, armed with a thirty-eight special. Oh well, that's good. I went. That's nice. I went to the management and, and notified them, and they got security, and, and the security got him. They arrested him. Well, he, why did you have to tell the management about this? I mean, that'd be a pretty obvious thing for anybody. No, it's not. Not in not in a main postal facility where there's. <laughs> yes. and, and you know what, Art? The gall of it all is that fellow workers 
called me a snitch. Called you a snitch. All right, I've got to go. Thank you very much for the call. Good Lord. <laughs> Comes in in a flak jacket with a 38 strapped to his side. Could that really be? Could it really be? toll-free line you're on the air good morning hi hello there uh, Chuck I'm calling from uh, Collinsville Illinois hi Chuck over KSD um, what I wanted to kind of bring up was um, the the idea the the nation's always done this here is pass the buck you've seen it in uh, school busing for integration for uh, the health plan that's going on now Instead of taking and correcting the system as it uh, gets foul and uh, punishing, like in uh, discrimination cases, uh, punishing the, uh, the school district that's doing the discriminating, well, then they they just crack everybody, and it comes out all messed up. And that's the same thing with this health care. I think uh, the health plans that uh, insurance companies provide, some of them are, uh, extortion plans, and they ought to be uh, um, amended, forced to follow some sort of a general guideline, and then the prices that some, you know... Well, you're, you're kind of, wait a minute, you're kind of speaking in generalities, and I'm not quite certain what you mean. Uh, you say their plans are extortion plans. What do you mean by that? Well, some of them are just outrageous uh, for the, uh, when you sit and examine the uh, benefits that they offer for the premium that's charged with the, the limits some of them are very good, but some of them aren't. Well, then you always have the option of saying, take this plan and shove it. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, but what if you're a person that's already having a, a pre-existing condition or something of that nature, and they change your health plan on you, the one that you bought before the uh, condition come on you, now you're trapped into that plan. Oh, I see. Uh, well, I think that, like that that is one area of legitimate concern with our health care system in America. We've got to get portability, and I agree with that. But forcing uh, an employer to insure their people, I, that, that's just not uh, the American way to force me to, I, you know, I'm not an employer, but if I was, if I had 10 people working on just scraping by and providing income for 10 people or something, then I'm forced by the uh, federal government to uh, provide a benefit that I may not want to provide or I might want to provide. Maybe I can't afford it, but for whatever reason, I shouldn't be forced to. Well, you're also forced to be part of the Social Security system, aren't you? Yes, yes. Uh, the other thing, you take like uh, some hospital charges, uh, if you turn in a claim to your insurance company for a hospital charge, they... They cheat on them things left and right. Now, myself, uh, years ago, I was working in a machine shop, and I had uh, I pulled a muscle. And uh, I went to the hospital on my own time, and uh, I, you know, went there. I thought maybe I was having a heart attack or something because it was a chest muscle that showed up later on, you know, after I was working, but uh, after I was off work, I mean. But anyway, they... They assured me that everything was okay, but when I got the bill to turn into the insurance company, they had on their uh, sutures, they had uh, $6 for an aspirin that I was supposed to have had, and uh, several other charges. All right, my friend, I'm going to have to hold it there. Listen on the air uh, from Illinois. And that's one of the reasons we're getting this stupid socialized health care foisted off on us, 
It's because of uh, a lot of people who are greedy out there, and to a large degree, they have brought it on themselves. I've said that for a long time, and I still believe that now. We'll be back. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up. Featuring Coast to Coast AM from April 8, 1994. There is something happening in Colorado, and we're about to find out what it is. You've been hearing about it, no doubt, echoes of it. You've heard about state sovereignty, but you might not know exactly what is meant by state sovereignty. We're about to find out. Here's a letter from uh, somebody involved in the Tenth Amendment Committee. To all Coloradans concerned with freedom, House Joint Resolution 94-1035, the Tenth Amendment State Sovereignty Resolution, sponsored by Representative Charles Duke and Senator Jim Roberts, was approved by the Colorado House of Representatives today, now a couple of days ago, by a vote of 51 to 13. We expect a vote in the near future in the state Senate, where 18 votes are needed for passage. There are six co-sponsors in the Senate, in addition to Senator Roberts. Rather than relaxing, we must redouble our efforts in order to ensure that this important measure is, improve, is approved in Colorado. Other states are watching our progress. Passage in the Senate should provide needed encouragement to patriots all across America. We must not fail. With hard work on each of our parts and with guidance from above, it is just possible that a movement begun in Colorado could blossom into a national force that could begin the rollback of federal tyranny. Let it begin here. Signed, Jim Abbott, Chairman. P.S. As a delegate to the Republican State Convention in June, I intend to cast my vote for Mr. Duke for the office of governor. I will not be alone. And now, here all the way from uh, Colorado is a state representative, uh, Charles Duke, or is it is it is it Governor Duke? <laughs> well, Jim is a great fan of mine, and I'm uh, very fortunate to have a friend like that. And uh, he is, uh, I think, sometimes lets his enthusiasm for this uh, resolution, which is uh, unmitigated at all, uh, he ha he lets that. Uh, filter over to me some, but uh, the real story here is the resolution and the, sta the uh, stand that the Colorado legislature is willing to take. I'm not the story. The resolution is the story. Um, I am curious, um, a Representative, a lot of the people in the audience have heard about this, but they don't really have the faintest idea what it is. So why did you do it, and what is it? All right. Well, we and the state legislature are just constantly barraged with 
one more federal mandate after another. Uh, I know the people feel uh, that the government is interfering with their lives uh, uh, frequently, but we feel it even more at the at the legislatures, uh, and it's not unique to Colorado. It's it's everywhere. Out here in the West, we also have problems with uh, relatively clean air compared with some other parts of the country, and so they're really picky about uh, uh, issues there. And we have some clean water issues. Uh, Colorado is a water-generating state, and so there are a lot of people who are concerned with how we treat our water, and they seek federal relief. We've got uh, Americans with Disabilities Act is, is one of those things. Uh, the, certainly the overall Clean Air Act uh, that was passed by Congress, the admissions program, uh, education, K-12 schools. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. But, you know, even with all of those mandates, uh, it's what is on the horizon that is the most scary of all. And that is uh, measures like H.R. 6, which is currently... Uh, in the Congress, I'm sure most of your listening audience knows what H.R. 6 is, but it will allow the dissolution of school boards, uh, school districts, uh, reforming of school districts, firing of administrations, all by uh, a bunch of bureaucrats uh, from Washington. Uh, that's just one of the things. Uh, the reauthorization of OSHA is going to include state and local governments. Uh, in the past, it has not, uh, but now, in the reauthorization, state and local governments are included. We're a small state. Colorado is. We only have three and a quarter million people, but it's probably going to cost us $500 million to comply with that act. And, of course, the federal government is exempt in their inevitable fashion. What about illegal aliens and uh, mandates in that area with regard to welfare and education and all the rest of it? Would it have any effect there? Well, I believe it would. What this resolution is designed to do is to restore, or let's say redistribute, uh, some of the powers that have been granted to American citizens. It's not claiming anything more or less than we have always had, but I, the, certainly the programs that have been mandated concerning welfare, uh, illegal aliens, uh, a number of others, are open to review once a state has reclaimed its sovereignty. Mm -hmm. What about uh, what about federal lands? Uh, would there be any effect there? I know that uh, here in Nevada, which is where I am, a great deal of our state, most of our state, is owned by the federal government. Uh, what about Colorado, and would your measure touch on any of that? Well, we have a similar situation to Nevada, although I don't think it's quite as pronounced as Nevada. We have a number of wilderness areas, as you know, uh, and uh, they, uh, the, the feds want to uh, meddle, and uh, the, they're, they're trying to establish something at this point known as federal water rights. Mm -hmm. uh, I would think uh, we need to fight that tooth and nail. There is no such thing as federal water rights, just as there's no such thing as federal money. What's the politics of what you've done? How have you managed to do it? Why hasn't there been... Uh... Uh, more, more, more in the way of a federal attempt to influence this away and strangle it in its uh, 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 cradle. How have you done this? Well, it, uh, needless to say, uh, you know, there is some uh, benefit, I guess, into not making a big issue out of it until you have some support. But I have been uh, sort of uh, 
guiding the Colorado legislature ever since I joined it six years ago. I have been making speeches and uh, presenting programs and uh, comments in committee and doing everything I can to try to increase the awareness here in Colorado of the effect that these federal mandates have on our Colorado citizens. We in Colorado legislature have a responsibility to protect our citizens from this kind of government oppression as as legislatures around the country have a responsibility to protect their citizens. And All right, so let's I've get... been trying to do that. And finally, we just uh, it just kind of came to a head as we're looking at Reich's smoking issue and just, you know, one more mandate. It just seems to be coming in waves out of Washington. Yes. So I thought the time was right, and it turned out that it was. Um. Interesting. Uh, so then you get plenty of support there in Colorado. Uh, what exactly is this going to do? Is it going to is it going to say, look, we assert state sovereignty, take your mandate and shove it? Well, uh, I think it makes sense uh, for us to talk about the two uh, important paragraphs that are contained in the resolution. All right. Uh, the first one says that Colorado hereby claim sovereignty after having stated the Tenth Amendment. I guess that's probably worth doing. The Tenth Amendment states that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. And what I tried to do is put together a resolution that was sort of the state's version of that. That's looking at it from the federal standpoint. Mm -hmm. From the state's perspective, uh, the first paragraph says, uh, be it resolved that the state of Colorado hereby claims sovereignty under the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States over all powers not otherwise enumerated and granted to the federal government by the United States Constitution. So it really restates for the state the, tenth, the federal uh, Tenth Amendment. That's exactly right, but it is a claim of sovereignty not only to the federal government, the United States government, but to the rest of the world. We are, in effect, a sovereign state in a, in a league of nations, if you will, or, or a league of states uh, known as the United States. And it was always intended that we have sovereignty over certain powers, and it was intended that we yield certain powers to the federal government. Mm -hmm. That's what the Constitution was. But the Constitution, as we know it today, would never have been adopted had that disclaimer, if you will, not been in there. And fortunately, uh, our founders uh, had enough support that they said, you know, if you don't put this in there that says, in case we forgot anything, everything else belongs to the states. Right. Then we're not going to ratify the Constitution, and this, this country never would have been formed in the first place. But it was always intended that the states be more or less uh, sovereign states, uh, and having uh, acceded certain powers to the federal government for protection and uh, interstate disputes and so forth. All right, so in the practical world then, if implemented, what is this going to do and what is this going to cost Colorado uh, in terms of, of federal dollars you might have received otherwise? Will there be any cost there? Actually, there need not be any cost. Uh, what this will do is put Colorado in a position uh, to legally claim exemption to future mandates. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that we would not participate in future mandates. Uh, we would be in a position to pick and choose uh, those that we feel 
isn't the federal government then, um, you say this is a nice and bloodless way to do it, but uh, isn't there liable to be some political blood over this or, or some cost to it? In other words, at some point that you decline a mandate, they're going to say, all right, well, the federal dollars in this area or that area are therefore cut off. Well, you know, that's always their threat. Uh, their, their, their life is their money. And um, the way that we're going to take care of that, I will certainly be sponsoring bills next year. And what I'm recommending to the other states, they have contacted me. And by the way, we have what I would consider serious inquiries from about 20 states so far. Uh, but what I'm recommending to those states, what happens right now is people uh, fill out uh, their federal income tax, and they send it more or less to a distribution center. In our case, it's Utah, right. and it varies depending on uh, the other uh, uh, states that you have to be in. And we do the same with federal gasoline money. I'm proposing the creation. This is a little bit complicated now, so so stay with me. The, the, I'm proposing the creation of uh, funds at the state level. We will then require all Colorado businesses and anyone who does business in the state to channel that money through the state. Mm. We will then rewrite a check to the federal government to cover the obligations of Colorado citizens. At the point where the federal government says, well, okay, we just won't send you any money, uh, we can say, fine, we'll just simply not send you any, and we'll escrow the funds here in Colorado until this uh, dispute is settled. Well, I think by doing that, uh, the dispute would be settled. Uh, I don't think the federal government wants to challenge this anywhere along the way. And uh, and so, uh, in my view... Oh, oh, Representative, I don't know what choice they're going to have. If they don't stop it with you where it is beginning, then is it not likely to, as you've already pointed out with all the inquiries, spread like wildfire, and then where are those bureaucrats going to be? Well, that's for them to figure out. I, you know, I really don't care where they are. Uh, most of them are, are, I consider to be in the federal bully class, and so uh, they're of no consequence. I, I just don't pay any attention to them. Uh -huh. We, we really don't have to. You see, we have sovereign powers as a state, guaranteed by our United States Constitution, and I'm not willing to say, well, let's just ignore that Tenth Amendment. That's baloney. We have a way of taking that amendment out, if Congress doesn't think it belongs, then let them put a measure out for the states to ratify. All right, what and we'll see if it'll pass. Uh, what legal views have you had, uh, official legal views, if this eventually uh, does end up in, in court, at some level of court or another, uh, will it all hold up? Well, I believe it will. Uh, one uh, uh, particular case that we have going for us is the case of New York versus the United States. Uh, and in the case of New York versus the United States, the uh, federal government was attempting to require New York to accept radioactive waste. Uh, and New York claimed exemption under the Tenth Amendment to the United States Constitution. Mm -hmm. That went all the way to the Supreme Court. And here's the good news for America, and that is that the Supreme Court affirmed New mm -hmm. York's uh, exemption from the federal mandate. Mm. And the court further ruled that the United States government may not commandeer the resources of the state of New York, that they may only urge New York uh, to comply. They may 
not require New York to comply. That's a very powerful ruling. It did reaffirm the Tenth Amendment. It is my belief and the belief of, of the legal consultants that I've talked to that they would affirm the Tenth Amendment. That's why in very many cases you'll find that if a lawsuit begins, uh, the government bureaucratic agent will settle. They do not want any of these cases getting to the Supreme Court because they feel confident, I'm sure the same as we do, that the Supreme Court would affirm the Tenth Amendment immunity for states. In a way, what you're attempting is a bloodless revolution. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask well, you, if, if you would please... strong word. But... Yeah, it is. Can you hold on, uh, Representative, while we do a little business here? Sure. All right, stand by. Uh, we're interviewing Representative Charles Duke, and you will have an opportunity to speak with him shortly. Uh, he is a representative in Colorado that is, in effect, in the way I'm thinking about it, attempting a bloodless revolution. It looks like he's on his way to success. now uh, to Representative uh, Duke of Colorado, Charles Duke, and uh, bloodless revolution. Yeah, I know, pretty strong word, but, you know, I want to agree with you in what you said earlier. I do talk radio five hours a night, uh, sir, and uh, I'm, I listen to the people on these lines, and I'm telling you right now, they are frustrated and they're angry to the degree that I'm beginning to get concerned. So I have uh, been pleading with them and pleading with them to do something just about like what you're doing right now, that our Constitution um, ultimately is a wonderful document and that it all can hold up and we really can change things in the system, and that's what you're doing. And so maybe there's hope. I, I believe there is hope. Uh, you know, when I started this, we were reacting to this admissions program that the EPA is attempting to foister on the country right now, and it's just a horrible program. It really has nothing to do with clean air. It has to do with uh, a power struggle between uh, bureaucrats in Washington and uh, state legislatures around the country. And there might be some, there's even some indication that in at least one case there might be some fraud involved and, and some other things. So, you know, they're really, uh, in my opinion, I'm sort of an environmentalist myself, and, and I'm afraid that if this kind of, uh, ugliness continues, then they're going to set back environmentalism uh, a long, long way uh, if they continue. And so, you know, I, I was really frustrated with that, and I was saying, what can we do in order to protect? Do we have rights that we have not yet asserted? Mm -hmm. And I've done an awful lot of reading. I was uh, looking at the ultimatum re uh, resolution at one point. You're probably familiar with that. I am. What is your view of that? Well, uh, I, you know, I think uh, what I was looking for was a strong message to Congress, and certainly that's a strong one. But there's a sense of finality about that mm -hmm. that made me uncomfortable and made a number of other people uncomfortable. This is the greatest country this earth has ever seen. And to even though it may someday come to a point of breaking apart, to actually see the words in print, the dissolution, of the Union made a lot of people very nervous and very uncertain. And even though I think a number of states are considering adopting that resolution, 
I wanted to find a way, uh, before we get to that, let's try to exercise all of our options that here, we have available here. to us. Here. We haven't done everything positive we can do before we just tear the whole darn thing down. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I think any, any reformation of borders by the United States would put us at risk, uh, from a number of other countries around the world, and, mm-hmm. and I think that would be a very tenuous time. So uh, I'm trying to find a way. Look, there's nothing wrong with our Constitution. There's really nothing wrong with our system of government. There's a lot wrong with the people that's in it, and there's a lot wrong with the way the power has been distributed around the country. If we can redistribute this and get it on a more normal and what I would consider regular footing, uh, then I think we have a chance of holding this country together and being uh, the, the dominant country we have uh, a destiny to be. Well, I like that attitude. All right, we're now at the bottom of the hour, so what I'm going to ask you to do is hold on for our bottom of the hour local station break, and we'll come back and take some calls if you'd be willing. Sure. All right, then stay put. Uh, this, uh, this is something you should pay close attention to, Representative Charles Duke. From Colorado, he'll be back with you in a moment. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. take you back to the past on Art Bell Somewhere in Time. I'm interviewing Representative Charles Duke from Colorado. He is responsible for a kind of a bloodless revolution underway in uh, Colorado right now, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard about it, and we're going to continue to talk about it. If you'd like to pick up a telephone and ask a question, now would be an appropriate time to do that. And Representative Duke, are you still there? Yes, I am. All right. There are many things proposed in state senates across the country that are wild and, uh, uh, you know, really never have a chance of passage. This thing, though, is going to pass, isn't it? What is the process? It's now through the House. It's going to go to the Senate. You expect passage there, and, and I understand that your governor doesn't have to sign it. Is that right? That's exactly correct. Uh, we, our initial assessment is that there are very few governors that would be supportive of uh, this kind of redistribution of power, which is ironic in a way because the governors would be, in effect, uh, uh, bigger fish on a smaller pond. <clears throat> but I suspect many governors uh, may be trying to arrange some sort of a Washington appointment for themselves. That's certainly true here in Colorado. <laughs> And and so they don't want to see the power redistributed. They expect to be the wielders of that power someday. And I so, see. Uh, I don't think that. So it's it's nice that it's isolated from the governor. But uh, in any case, uh, it the process is it first goes to committee in the House, and it passed that committee 8 to 1. And then we were having trouble getting it scheduled on the floor. That's under the control of leadership, of course, and uh, you know, uh, when you're in this business, Art, you know this as well as I do, uh, you're, you're not sure who your friends are. Uh-huh. And uh, so we imagined all sorts of weird, paranoid things. 
And finally, we're able to get it scheduled in the House, and it did pass, 51 to 13 in the House. Of course, I'd been working the delegation uh, up until that time, and I knew we had the votes to get it out of the House. And uh, then in the Senate, uh, when it does pass the House, then it goes to the Senate for a similar process. In the Senate, we have eight uh, sponsors going in, and all of those sponsors are in leadership. So we expect fairly smooth sailing uh, in the Senate. In fact, even smoother there than in the House. And uh, we should it should have been introduced today. Uh, I didn't go over to check in the Senate to see if it was, but uh, uh, hopefully they'll hear it in committee next week, and then uh, by the week following at the latest, uh, hear it on the full Senate. What kind of behind-the-scenes pressure have you been getting uh, from the governor? Uh, or from the federal government. Has there been any at all? Uh, none at all. Uh, the governor is, uh, knows that he's not in this loop. Uh, we are the Colorado legislature expressing the will of our people through their representatives. It's sort of representative government at its, at its most primal level. Uh, and I can tell you uh, the feelings that I've had in this thing are very primal feelings. I, I, it's hard to describe, and I... I I hope that some of your listeners share that feeling, but uh, I haven't seen any resistance, whatever. I, I think there's an advantage in that many of the bureaucrats, they, they think it's sort of a flea, and they just don't think it's uh, worthy of their time. A flea. But I can, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I can tell you that the state of California told me today that they expect to introduce the same resolution next week. Mm. Uh, I was told that it was introduced in Texas last week. I'm still trying to confirm that. Uh, I'm getting calls from Massachusetts and New York and Minnesota and New Jersey and uh, other states around the Union that are intending to take serious efforts to trying to get it passed in, in their uh, states. I think when when other states join with us, then I don't think the feds have a choice. They must deal with it. All right. Let's go to the telephones and see what people have to say to you. Um, on our first-time caller line, uh, good morning. You're on the air with Representative Duke of Colorado. What an interview. Uh, Representative Duke, congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, Art, thank you for having him on. Sure. Where, uh, are, where are you calling from? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm first-time caller. I don't know. There are, uh, I'm calling from uh, Wash uh, Bothell, Washington, KBI. All right. Very good. And uh, you mentioned uh, just a couple minutes ago some sort of a primal feeling when this issue came up, and uh, boy, you put it—you uh, put it better than I could have. Uh, listening to you talk, I can't describe the excitement and just the, the feeling of, of uh, a weight being lifted off. I, I, I and many friends have been so depressed for the last six months; it's hard to describe. Well, we have hopefully. cause uh, to, to feel that way, and. And I'm I'm really happy that it's uh, it's helping you as it has helped us. A couple questions though, and I, uh, this is a, a fear that, and I've been doing some research over the past year, and we started a little nonprofit group called the Tenth Amendment Foundation, as a matter of fact. But wow. in our in our research, it, it seems to me that that you may be, and I'm afraid you might be, underestimating the Supreme Court and the roadblock mm -hmm. they'll be to this because. They, since, uh, as you know, since about 37, 1937, have been the leader in infiltration of federal powers into states and individuals. Right. And uh, any any small group that uh, doesn't like or can't get legislation passed will go to the courts. 
your state just passed the uh, the referendum on the uh, no special rights for gays and was knocked down, as I understand it. Our state passed well, not the term- by the U.S. Supreme Court yet. Well, uh, and our state has passed the term limits, and we were knocked down at the uh, at the federal district level. Uh-huh. Uh, they've the Endangered Species Act, of course, has made uh, mincemeat of our timber industries. Uh, we've lost our fishing industry because of treaty interpretation of the federal same federal judge Dwyer. But anyway, I, I well, don't need to ramble on. Uh, no, you're not rambling at all. In fact, you bring up a very legitimate point. Isn't the federal government going to bring their hired guns, the courts, in to back them up? Yes. And, uh, you know, you, this is a game of high stakes. Uh, I don't want to minimize that at all. It's very high stakes. Uh, and uh, what I would propose is that the, the power of the courts is also defined by the Constitution. And you may simply ignore their rulings. I know that comes as, it sort of rocks the mind a little bit, that you really don't have to listen to them. But you can let them sit there and rant and rave and, uh, you know, stamp their feet and uh, hold their breath until they turn red in the face. And, you know, it really doesn't matter. You're a sovereign state. You don't have to listen to the feds do that. My opinion, and, and I'm... I, I hope you're right, but I, I'm old enough to remember the uh, the uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, as a matter of fact, in the schoolhouse right. door. Now the well, motives were were, in my mind, very evil and 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 uh, unfortunately, really tarnished states' rights and the image of states' rights. But for sure, Eisenhower federalized the National Guard, and the uh, the party was over. All right, caller, thank you. Uh, he does really raise a good point. The uh, U.S. Supreme Court has acted uh, in a number of ways for the good of the. Of, of, of the Federation in the past that otherwise would seem unconstitutional, uh, particularly right. with respect to the military and some other areas, uh, and what makes you think they won't in this case? Well, what, what, if, what, what do they do if you just ignore them, Art? Uh, I believe you have the power to ignore them. All you need to do is assert that power and assert your constitutional rights. And, you know, there is... Uh, they, I, don't, I do not believe that they are going to send the troops. That is the one thing that happened in Little Rock that isn't going to happen here. Why? Uh, I just don't believe. I think the country is so tenuous right now. The people are so angry. We now know for sure that a Waco can happen. We now know that an Idaho can happen. Uh, I don't think the people are going to tolerate that anymore. I think any sort of armed coercion on the part of the federal government would probably precipitate their demise. You they know, don't want you, you know what? I, I actually agree with you on that. I think there could not be another Waco, and I guess I've got a lot of faith in the American people, uh, and I guess you do too, and I think they simply would not tolerate it, and there would be a lot of people actually physically beginning to move if something like that developed. But if there's a Waco and if there's a, uh, a Randy Weaver in Idaho, there can be a Colorado, too. Well, there can. Uh, I just, I, I'm with you, Art. I have, I think the American spirit is, is something you, you could never kill it anyway. This was something beautiful we started here, and you're not going to kill this spirit. The only thing you can do is, is, is suppress it, perhaps. But you can't kill it. Uh, and, and now that we know that the atrocities of Waco, uh, I believe that the American people are ready to move. I can tell you, uh, you're, you're talking about your phone, what you hear every night. Mm. I hear many similar comments to that from people here in Colorado. We're, we're 
a kind of a, a, a still a little bit the wild west in terms of our spirit out here and uh, there are spirits out here that do not wish to be dominated and uh, it's sort of like a bronco that won't be broken hmm. would you say these are dangerous times in america i think they are very dangerous times and they're tenuous times they're they're times to move cautiously and they're times to move with purpose and they're times to move with vision and uh, i think there you must have determination and you must have faith uh, and the one thing that i have faith in is not only the Lord, of course, but uh, the Constitution of the United States is is uh, still, as far as I'm concerned, sacred. Every legislator in this nation, state or federal, swears an oath to uphold that Constitution before God. Of course, uh, Representative, in most uh, uh, civil wars, both sides always claim to be upholding the Constitution or fighting for the sovereignty of the Constitution, whatever it happens to be. They always claim that, don't they? Well, they do, although in our case, I think the patriots have uh, uh, cause to believe that there are the people who are the major problem would tell you that you may ignore the Constitution. Yes, but They're if the, not defending it, they're ignoring it. Yes, but if the federal government began to move in on you, I'm sure that you would have... Um, Attorney General Janet Reno making public statements about the good and the welfare of uh, the country and the sovereignty of America and how it's being threatened by those nasty rebels out in Colorado. Well, you know, she says the buck stops with her, and I'm more than happy to hand it to her. Uh, I think she deserves it very much, and I hope she has some comments about this because I think the people are ready to say, Janet Reno, maybe you should read the Constitution before you profess to tell us about it. On the wild... This isn't different. You know, this isn't rocket science, Art. I understand. The Constitution is very simple to understand. That's one of its beauty beauties. All right. Uh, here, we, we've got another call, Representative. Um, uh, let's see. On the wild card line, you're on the air with Representative Charles Duke. Hello. Radio Free America. Yes. Uh, Mr. Duke. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy, I tell you what. Just Charlie. This is great. This is great. Absolutely great. I'm, I'm glad that some state has finally got the courage to do what you're doing. Thank you. Um up in Montana, I just thought I'd let you guys know uh, Red Beckman and uh, Linda Thompson are going to be in Billings on May 7th. Uh, I think it has something to do with the No More Waco's convention. And Janet Reno, just by uh, chance, happens to be coming through that area. So she's going to be uh, obviously uh, getting a really nice reception from those That's folks. Nice. Well, Gene, maybe she'll stop and address the group. Well, yeah, it's going to be real interesting because she's going to be on video. But anyway, um, I'm just wondering, you know, my biggest fear is also the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, th these people have no, absolutely zero respect for the Constitution. And their whole well, deal, their whole deal is power. And I'm just scared that uh, they're going to, you know, but I, again, I don't, I think the American public is going to back you up 100%, at least uh, this is one man that is. Well, uh, uh, the one thing that I would offer for you as a glimmer of hope is in the case of New York, they did reaffirm the Tenth Amendment. I don't think that the Supreme Court may be a lot of things, but they are not stupid. They must know that the American people are ready to overthrow this government. Uh, just some little spark, some little trigger, and they're gone. And And if they don't help us to hold this country together then it's not going to hold together. And I don't think they're stupid enough. They're surely not.
so stupid they don't realize that. And uh, and I think they will help us. I think they will reaffirm the Tenth Amendment based on New York. Well, I hope yeah. you're right, but I I, I think you're uh, over uh, giving a lot of credit to some people I don't think have as, as much intelligence as you do. But <laughs> um, anyway, thanks for letting me talk. Thanks for talking uh, from San Diego. And, uh, Representative, if you'll hold on just a moment, we'll be right back to you. with Representative Charles Duke. Are you there, sir? I am indeed. All right. Um, very good. Let's uh, keep moving. A lot of people want to talk to you. On the toll-free line, you're on the air with Representative Duke. Hello. Hello there. No, you're not. Uh, on the wild card line, you're on the air with Representative Duke. Good morning. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, wow? So sorry. Uh, I called from KPNW. In Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. We only get you from 11 to 2 now, which is a big disappointment for me. Well, give them a call and let them know. Yeah, I will, in a nice manner. I'm very glad that they uh, move forward and get us now at 11 o'clock, but I'm sorry they have to cut it off at 2. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, I, I had a question about the comet collision in Jupiter. Oh, we're we've got a guest now. I know, but I'll make it real quick. I'm not really much in astronomy. First-time callers call area 702-727-1222. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. On uh, let's see, on the toll-free line, you're on the air with Representative Duke. Hello. Uh, yes, Art Bell. Yes. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Thank you for having uh, Representative Charlie Duke on. He's sure, he's right and here. Honorable Representative Charlie Duke. Yes. Go ahead. Or as Jim says, Governor Duke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Jim's idea. Hey, we're here in Denver listening. KNUS Denver. Yes, sir. Oh, that's a great station. Keep going, buddy. We're behind you. Thank you. And we'll see you Sunday, April the 17th at the yes. rally. Yes, I'm planning to be there. Okay, and Art? Yes, sir. We won't lay down. Remember the movie Red Dawn? Yes. Those were Coloradians. We don't lay down. All right, sir. Whether it's outside forces or inside forces. All right, good enough. Uh, that's from Colorado. Is that the general kind of reaction uh, you're getting, Representative Duke? Uh, is it typical? Oh, absolutely. There is. Uh, people are ready to go and they're ready to defend this. Uh, you know, there's a actually an entire committee been formed here in Colorado called the Tenth Amendment Committee. Uh, whose sole purpose in life is to ensure that this resolution gets the tender loving care it needs through the legislature. And I'll tell you, it, it was through the, the lobbying efforts of that committee. In fact, uh, you might want to give uh, that committee's uh, address and phone number out, uh, Art. I don't know if that's appropriate. But... No, it is. You can do it. Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, there, uh, let me get my reference out here that has their address on it. But they're a group of citizen activists that were, uh, when they heard about this resolution, they said, Charlie, we're with you all the way. All right, that is, good. That is all correct. And Listen, uh, I, I've got another hour I can uh, make available to you if you would like it. Uh, that's fine with me. It, uh, you know, if uh, if the callers are interested in talking, I'm, I'm willing to chat with them. Yeah, they're all lit up, uh, so let's keep going. On our uh, wild card line, you're on the air with Representative Duke in Colorado. Hello. Hello, this is Greg from Kent, Washington, the great KVI country. Yes, sir. 
and uh, Representative Duke, uh, I commend you on your patriotic uh, situation there. Thank you. Um, I commend you on your, what you're trying to do. And in our state of Washington, um, uh, our liberal governor, Mike Lowry, and all the liberals that are in control, uh, is there any suggestion that you can give to me as a, just a, a patriotic citizen how to thwart this uh, All right. liberalism? All right, please, well, please listen here. Yes, uh, there is, as a matter of fact. Uh, there's, there's a, uh, uh, what I would recommend is that you uh, talk to, from that committee, you can get a copy of the resolution that Art just gave. And I would suggest that you talk to some legislators uh, in your local community, preferably your own. But uh, it could be uh, any uh, anyone. Uh, there, in most legislatures, there's only six or eight people that really have the chutzpah, if you will, to put something like this forward. But that's all it takes. Revolutions are accomplished with a very small percentage of the, the that's people. That's right. Um, Representative, stand by. We're going to do a newscast, and we'll come right back. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up. From April 8, 1994. Hello, everybody. Those stations just joining us, we have a guest. Representative Charles Duke is his name from Colorado. He is one of the authors of Colorado's version of the Tenth Amendment. And what he's doing is asserting state sovereignty in Colorado. It is passing. It's through the Colorado House. It's about to go through the Colorado Senate. It does not need the signature of the governor in Colorado. And it is kind of a bloodless revolution, basically telling the federal government, no more. We may accept some of the mandates that we decide to, but the ones we don't want, well, you can go fish. And you can imagine that may cause some difficulty, either in the U.S. Supreme Court uh, or for Colorado or for Representative Duke, so he's got his neck out pretty far. <laughs> Back to him now in uh, Colorado, and I'm going to try and devote this hour to questions that you may have about state sovereignty, about what he's doing, and about whether you can do it. If you'd like to call us, pick up the telephone and join in. First-time callers, area code 702-727-1222. The wild card direct dial lines are area code 702-727-1295, and toll-free... It's 1-800-618-8255. So, there it is. Back now to Representative Duke. Are you there? Yes, I am. Good. Um, I appreciate your being with us. I know it's a little after 2 o'clock in the morning now in Colorado. Oh, it's all right. I can't sleep anyway when I'm talking about this subject. It is just, for me, it's exciting and... Uh... Uh, you know, it's uh, it's stimulating. So I'll have to. It'll take me a while to slow down after I hang up. Anyway, it is. I uh, <laughs> very same way when I do a program. It's exciting and stimulating, and um, I imagine a lot of your life now is wrapped up in in this particular measure, isn't it? Indeed, it is. Uh, 
uh, we've had uh, these inquiries from the other states, uh, and in talking with people and in hearing the hope in their voice, uh, and in hearing the just the, the the good words that people have to say about this, I can tell you it's uh, it's without any question the most rewarding time of my life uh, carrying this. I had no dream that it would do this. <clears throat> I really just thought I was going to put it forth and. Well, we'll try to stand up to them on this EPA, and then the more I got to reading this and talking with people who are more scholarly than I, you know, and 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 just trying to understand what kind of thing uh, we're dealing with here, and then suddenly this came to me, and I thought, gosh, uh, why don't we just do that? And then before I knew it, it just took off. And uh, in a way, you're betting the federal government folds its cards, aren't you? This is a time for. Yeah. And I'm betting the people are with me, and it's a time to hold them, and uh, I think they'll fold. I hope so. Uh, and on our uh, wild card line, you're on the air with Representative Duke in Colorado. Good morning. Representative Duke. Yes. My name is Alan from California, and I have a question concerning our major problem we have out here concerning the illegal aliens. How will this impact that issue? All right. Uh, let's go over it again. There are a lot of affiliates joining us, uh, Representative. Uh, so the illegal alien part of it. Okay. Uh, the What this basically does is it puts your state in a position to claim exemption from a federal mandate which is coming down. The idea behind it is to move the decision point for those kinds of decisions closer to the people. So uh, that decision, uh, under this proposal, that decision would be made in Sacramento. You still may not like the decision that they came, they come up with, but those people are much closer to you and much more within your span of control and much more responsive to you, I would expect, than your, than your uh, Washington uh, compatriots. Um, all right. Suppose they were to make a, a decision in Sacramento with regard to illegal aliens and cut off an awful lot of assistance, particularly, for example, in the area of education. Uh, wouldn't it follow then that the government would uh, immediately threaten to cut off federal education funds? Well, my guess is if you were to take a very close look at it, you will not find that much federal money coming down in the way of education. Most education is uh, local taxes, local to the state. That's the truth, and of course there are moves to change that. I think federal dollars represent about 2% two, 2 of the national education uh, budget. Right. So you're and right. And so even if you were to say, take the money and shove it, which I don't recommend because it's your money to begin with, they took it from you, and so you need to, Those are that's one of those funds that I think you need to create as funds for education. Uh, you need to create a fund at the uh, at the state level uh, that will allow you, if they should ever try to withhold that money, you just keep the money in your state. Don't send it to them to begin with. All right. On the toll-free line, you're on the air with uh, Representative Duke. Good morning. Good morning, Art. This is Jeff, KFRU, Columbia, Missouri. Columbia, Missouri. Yes, sir. Uh, I think we owe Representative Duke and his state a great deal of gratitude. Um, it's a brave state, First Amendment too, and now this. I hope well, I we, to... we sort of have a track record we have to uphold now. <laughs> well, I'm I'm impressed, and I'll I'll do what I can to support the state if any if any backlash hits the state. But my question is, uh, how long is this going to take before your state gets so where the the chat the gauntlet is thrown? I mean, 
Now it's sort of thrown. When does it become legal in your state? Good question. Mm -hmm. Well, it takes effect, of course, on the moment that the Senate uh, passes the majority vote. That's when it essentially is our declaration of sovereignty to the rest of the nation. And, and I don't know, Art, do we need to re repeat the, the pertinent paragraph here? Uh, I think that would be a good idea um, because it explains it uh, so well. Listen on the air, please, uh, caller. Go ahead. Yeah, the, uh, the, the business paragraph says that the state of Colorado hereby claims sovereignty under the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States over all powers not otherwise enumerated and granted to the federal government by the United States Constitution. So what it is is a declaration of sovereignty to not only Washington but to the rest of the world. And I think if uh, you know if there are some education uh, proposals out there, that is within the purveyance of the state uh, to take care of that. And uh, you may simply you have that power, and the only reason that the feds can have it is if you grant it to them. But if you choose not to do that, then uh, you are it is totally within the span of your control to do that. And you know, most legislatures are reasonably responsible uh, within certain limits. Uh, they're not going to, you know, throw people out in the street and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the public outcry would be enormous if they were to do that. And so, I. But but the decision point now is that your state capital, rather than Washington, and that's the part that that I think. Where do you think, uh, if there is one to be in the future after this measure passes, though, the real crunch point would come? If oh, yes, that's, to be I'm, I'm sorry, I, I kind of lost that point there. It, it will take additional legislation beyond uh, just the resolution. This is a statement of intent. Uh, there is additional legislation that is needed in your states to cause the redirection of the federal funds through your state uh, uh, legislature, and that doesn't give them any control because those funds are obligated to the federal government. Uh, but it does. You you must pass the legislation to make that happen, mm -hmm. and and it is not enough for a state to simply do this and then sit on their hands. They have to be prepared to back it up uh, with uh, more self sufficiency. You know, with with sovereignty comes some. Um, some responsibility. Sure. Uh, and you've got to be willing to take these problems on your own and do them yourself rather than looking to the great God in the East. Let us imagine the worst for a moment. Uh, suppose Colorado, in effect, uh, got into a big spitting contest with the federal government and whatever the issue finally was, push came to shove, and the federal government was unwilling to push with military or something awful like that. But basically, Colorado became, in effect, isolated, uh, economically uh, isolated. How much could you all take there? Just a question. Well, we're, we're you know, a, a member of the union. We're not, uh, I don't think the other states would boycott us or anything like that. Uh, they tried. Uh, we had a group here that tried to boycott Colorado over Amendment 2, and it was a dismal failure. Yes. Uh, I think the other states would rally to our defense. I'm hoping they would. I, I know that in the case of, of California and, uh, and New Jersey, they're ready to stand with us, and I think other states might be willing to do that as well. I think they'd have a hard time putting any uh, unreasonable pressure on Colorado, I think there will be pressure at some point. And we just have to hold firm on what 
what is our constitutional right. Uh, this is not something that we're claiming that is beyond. I think that's the one of the beauties of it. People say, gosh, isn't that confrontational? But it is our Constitution, and we live under that. And it is the document that should be guiding all legislation from Washington to your state capitals. And so you're really not claiming anything that doesn't belong to you. Indeed. And you just have to have the, the will and the determination to claim it for your own. All right. Back to the telephones. And on our wild card line, you're on the air with Representative Duke in Colorado. Good morning. Hello there. Going once, going twice, gone. On our toll-free line, you're on the air with Representative Duke. Hello. God bless and keep you both, gentlemen. Thank you. the People's Republic of Washington, you have our profound gratitude for bringing us this glad tidings. Thank you very much. I do have a question for you, Representative Duke. Sure. Um, Unless I misunderstood something, this would also mean that the individual states would have the right to abrogate the the federal Indian reservations within the the borders of the states? Hmm. Well, you know, I haven't really treated. I would not necessarily want to venture a guess there as to what might happen with the Indian nations. That's a... A special problem all all its own. I've never been happy with the fact that the Indians are not uh, full citizens like the rest of us and that they have reservations and and they're exempt from a lot of other laws. And to me, uh, if we really want to be the melting pot, let's get rid of all that nonsense and grant them every other privilege that every other American citizen has and get rid of the reservations and and go on about our business. So I, I really would prefer, before answering that explicitly, I'd prefer to hear from some of the legal scholars that might want to tell me what might happen there. Okay. Well, I'm sure that uh, most legislators, we have a lot of Indian reservations here in Colorado. Oh, I know you do. I And and I don't mean to, to, to cast aspersions on the, on the Indian reservations or the people on them. Right. Um, a, number of, a number of the, of the Indian tribes are trying to establish Vegas-style casino gambling mm-hmm. as a as a revenue source, uh, and they're asserting their right to do so under their sovereignty. Right. Um, yes. That they that they are not subject to the laws of of, of the states within which their reservations lie. That's a very that good correct. point, caller. And uh, so then, in effect, Representative, they're doing in a way what you're also trying to do. But in answering his question, you suggested that they would be better integrated into the larger society and the reservations would disappear. Well, I sure think so. Uh, but that's my own personal view. I don't know uh, that others would agree with me. Uh, it might be interesting to to hear how your listeners feel about that. Uh, but right now, the Indians are completely exempt from any regulation by the state. Once a state adopts gambling, then the uh, Indian reservations may put in gambling mm-hmm. to any extent they choose. So we have limited stakes gambling here in Colorado, $5 limit, that kind of thing. But the Indians are not restricted in that regard. Further, they don't have to pay any of the normal taxes that, that we would place on gambling. They're exempt from those taxes. And so they they come back, and it, and it has a downside in that they place demands on the infrastructure from highways and, and sewer systems and that sort of thing that the activity creates. 
and they want state taxpayers to pick up the charges for those, but they're not willing to come back and, and pay any of this. And the other part of it is, in many cases, I know in some cases here in Colorado, these are not Indians running these gambling casinos. They have contracted that out. That's true. To uh, those uh, uh, gambling operators from uh, other states. And so, you know, it really isn't the Indians running it for themselves. It is a business opportunity. And, and I think we would probably want to look at that at some point. But uh, All right, uh, Representative, hold on just a moment. We'll be right back to you. Another subject, and that is uh, federal gun control. As you know, there's been a whole lot of it lately, and I wonder, uh, I wonder how you think Colorado would would treat some of those new federal laws, the Brady Law, and more, under your resolution. Well, my guess is that uh, if if we are going to get uh, uh, the ability to carry concealed or anything like that, it'll have to come from the people. I don't know of very many legislatures that are going to. Uh, actually pass those kind of bills. So, but you would be in effect exempt from that uh, if your if your state should choose to claim that exemption. You would have that power. All right. Uh, one more quick call um, on our wild card line. You're on the air with Representative Duke in Colorado. Hello. Hello there on the wild card line. Wonder if that line's all right on the uh, toll free line. You're on the air with Representative Duke. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hello? Yes, sir. Yeah. You're on the air. Where are you calling from? Uh, from Sacramento, California. Okay. Um, okay, I think I've got to turn my radio down here because I'm on the tape delay. Turn it off, please. Oh, okay, one second. All right. Uh, remember to do that. Uh, have it handy so you can turn it off the minute you get on the air, please, everybody. Okay, I'm back on the line. Yes, go ahead. Okay, thanks. Um, I'm calling from Sacramento. I'm a law student, and uh, I've been listening with a lot of interest to what um, the representative from Colorado has been saying. Uh, the state representative, um, uh, Mr. Duke. Right. right. Is that right? Okay. Uh, well, I, I was thinking, you know, I think that what you're saying is very interesting. I think that that it's very positive in the sense that we've all we've all got to uh, get back to um, to local power as opposed to being reliant too heavily on federal power, you know, for for um, providing for us. I mean, we need we need to be more responsible for ourselves, so to speak. Right. And I, I wanted to make a suggestion. Sure. Um, I, I think that the Tenth Amendment is, is certainly a very important one in the Constitution because it does reserve uh, powers left over to the states. And, and really, the federal government, by theory, is supposed to be a limited government which, which operates by consent of the states. Right. Well, in that regard, it seems to me that it would be a lot easier just to call a constitutional convention because you wouldn't even need the Supreme Court to do it. Hmm. Well, you know, there are those that, that feel that uh, that's just the ticket for what we need. I'm not one of those. I uh, We are under a uh, uh, situation here in Colorado where if the governor calls a special session, if he calls us back into session for, for any reason, he must specify the reason for the call uh, when he sends that out to us. And we are not by... Constitution, we are not allowed to deviate from that call and introduce other bills. But you find in practice, 
in implementation, you find that the leadership takes such an, 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 in my opinion, an erroneous, broad interpretation of that call that, for all intents and purposes, the call, the limitation to the call is useless. I think that same effect would happen if we were to call a constitutional convention that before you could stop it, uh, the damage would have already been done. With a couple of minutes before the bottom of the hour, um, sir, let's try a couple of more calls as we can. On our first-time caller line, uh, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. I can barely hear you, sir. Where are you? Do the wild thing at 702-727-1295. Go ahead. Uh, regarding the constitutional issues with the Supreme Court. Yes. Uh, there was a Supreme Court case in 1992, and Sandra Day O'Connor read the opinion. And in that, she ruled in favor of sovereignty of the states. And the Supreme Court, it was a case called New York versus the United States. Right. And they clearly said that the states are sovereign, and they supported the Tenth Amendment completely. And her opinion covers about six or eight pages, and it's uh, quite excellent. It's a complete review of the constitutionality of state sovereignty. Yeah, that was really one of the uh, uh, impetuses for uh, this resolution is the fact that the court was willing to reaffirm in the case of New York uh, the state uh, sovereignty or essentially state exemption uh, from a federal mandate. The court ruled that the state, uh, the federal government may not commandeer the resources of, uh, of the state. Yes. That they may only urge the state uh, to uh, comply was a very significant ruling, and it's what gives me reason to believe that if if push came to shove and we got a real, honest-to-God uh, Tenth Amendment challenge before the court, I believe they would reaffirm the Tenth Amendment again. I do, too, sir. And, I, and they also did another one in 1991 in which they said the uh, Constitution created a federal government of limited powers. All and right. reaffirmed that again. All right. Thank you, caller. We have to go. Uh, and, Representative, we'll be back for a final half hour in just a moment. Okay. Stay right where you are. And it's Representative Duke from Colorado. It is an affirmation of the Tenth Amendment, kind of a declaration of some sort of independence from Colorado. We'll be back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from April 8, 1994. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from April 8th, 1994. Good morning, everybody. I've got a fax here, uh, which is relevant. It comes from John S. in Vancouver. He says, Dear Art, if the federal agents try to subdue Colorado's use of the Tenth Amendment, it will be a fatal spark. I will support Representative Charles Duke with my total effort. The Constitution will stand because Americans support the Second Amendment regards John S. And at the bottom, of course, it says, give me liberty or give me death. And uh, back now to Representative Duke, my guest from Colorado. And uh, here he is. I hope you're there, sir. I am indeed. Good. Um, again, some very strong support. It's coming from all over the place. I, I tell you, I hear it almost every day, Art, and 
uh, we might just, uh, we had a caller last hour that was saying, what can people do in their states? They could certainly contact their local representatives and uh, encourage them to adopt this resolution uh, in your state. Uh, it's available from the Tenth Amendment Committee, which uh, we may want to give the address for that. But the other thing you can do, this is a litmus test. You can hold every candidate running for office, and the answer to the question is, do you support this resolution, can only be yes or no. Any other answer, in fact, yes is really the only answer. Any other answer must be considered a no, and that means that they do not support the Constitution of the United States, and those are enemies of patriots. I hate to say that, but that is a, that is a plain fact. It probably means they're, uh, they've got federal stars in their eyes. Indeed, and, and there are many people who look to the federal government for the largesse that comes out of there. Uh, and for the money to be made from there. And there are people who do not wish to change the status quo at all because, frankly, they're making a bundle off of it the way it is. What about the congressional and Senate representatives from Colorado? I imagine they're not real warm and fuzzy about your resolution, are they? Uh, cool, uh, I guess is the best way to describe it. Uh, cool. Guarded. Yes. Uh, cautious uh, praise, you know, uh, very interesting, Charlie. Uh, you know, send me a copy of it. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Don't worry, they're going to get a copy as soon as the Senate passes it. Uh, I don't want any uh, surreptitious lobbying going on in the background. You know, a legislative process is a semi-mysterious process anyway. Yes. And I don't want any heavy lobbying coming from our senators or our representatives. They already know what it is anyway, and so I don't really need to send them a copy. But I want to send them the copy that has the embossing on it, that has it says this has passed the Colorado legislature and is the will of the people of Colorado speaking through its legislature. All right. Well, here's a hard question for you. Uh, you'll remember the Graham-Rudman uh, effort, I'm sure, and right. uh, it passed, and then nothing really happened. Is there a possibility that this could happen with your re resolution? In other words, it's passed. There you have it. You've reaffirmed your right, but in fact, nothing ever comes of it. Well, you know, if Colorado is the only state to pass it, uh, then uh, probably something similar to Graham-Rudman is, is going to happen. Actually, something very significant did happen with Graham-Rudman. They moved uh, most of the uh, accounting uh, off budget and uh, that's what uh, right. was one of the great outrages of our time I think but in any case uh, we need to have other people offer this in their state legislatures as well as I say I know absolutely for certain that uh, it will be offered in California next week uh, I don't want to break the news for anybody but uh, I have reason to believe that it's going to be introduced in Pennsylvania Well, that is news. That is a little bit of news, actually. On our toll-free line, you're on the air with Representative Duke. Good morning. Yes, Art. This is uh, Terry from uh, Silverdale, Washington. Yes. Hi, Terry. Hi. Uh, I uh, applaud uh, Representative Duke uh, trying to get back our Constitution before it was written. And uh, basically, I wanted to say that uh, having a constitutional convention is not what we need, and the people that uh, are for that 
will probably get a more restrictive government afterwards than they have right now. Oh, I, I completely agree, and I think you do uh, as well, Representative, correct? Absolutely. I I think that would be a disaster. Uh, I, you know, you just have to imagine the same people who are designing health care systems and, and that sort of thing are the ones who would be running that convention. And I do not trust those people, and I do not wish to give them the authority to change something that has been fairly uh, uh, useful for 150 years, and it's only in the last 50 years that we as the people have, let, have become complacent and allowed them to, to usurp it, and we don't have to do that. We can, we can reassert it. All right, caller. Thanks, Scott. All right, thank you very much. And on our first-time caller line, you're on the air with Representative Duke in Colorado. Good morning. Yeah, this is John. I've been Puyallup on listening on KBI. Yes, sir. And I was just uh, thinking here that uh, this uh, gentleman might be getting in a kind of an unpopular situation. It might not be bad to have a whole card. I was thinking if uh, he had a grand jury sitting in the wings ready to be uh, convened and uh, look under Bill Clinton and his buddies um, for um, sedition and treason based on... Uh, contributing money to the United Nations and the uh, World Bank, then they might be able to uh, have a little better leverage. Well, you know, I think the mind really boggles. If you think about if we could get uh, a number of other states to go with us, uh, then the, the various uh, planning that could be done among the states to say, now what we, are, we have reestablished, <clears throat> who's in charge here, uh, let's see now how to remedy many of the concerns that are bothering Americans today. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you could see just a, a progress back towards what made this country great in leaps and bounds if we could get other states to adopt it. What would you say did make this country great, Representative? Oh, gosh, it, no doubt about it. It was the uh, the ability to make your own decisions the ability to suffer the consequences of those decisions. And that second part we have gotten away from. <laughs> I'm not sure who said it, but somebody great said uh, our most uh, profound right is the right to be left alone. Well, that's similar to what I was, uh, what I was saying. Uh, it's a marvelous gift in a very special time when this country was formed. And I don't I don't think it's reactionary at all to say let's return to some of the principles that made this country good. Uh, it's it's not dissimilar from someone who's in a bad state of health trying to do healthy things now in order to get yourself back healthy again. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, on our toll-free line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello there. Hey, good morning. Good morning, sir. Where are you calling from? I am uh I'm calling from uh, Caldwell, Idaho. Caldwell, Idaho. All right. Well, you're on the air with Representative Duke in Colorado. Yes. Well, good morning, Mr. Duke. Good morning. Uh, I've been uh, listening, just tuned in a while ago and listening to you and this proposal. I haven't got all the facts on it, but I am sure delighted to hear what you're talking about. Well, uh, I have been in touch with some people there in Colorado concerning uh, some of these things, uh, uh, particularly the federal jurisdiction problem, which uh, is a constitutional matter, and uh, 
we have been listening to all these federal mandates that have been coming our way, and it, it, it seems to me like that under the federal jurisdiction proposal that uh, that uh, they're way out of line constitutionally. And uh, I've been wondering why some of our representatives haven't uh, picked up an ear on this uh, even before now. All right. Um... Well, you know, I hear different reactions from other representatives who are, are not in Colorado, and some say, Oh, my God, no, I do not wish to take on the federal government. I'm not that strong. You know, I, I, I'm not that bold, and, you know, where's my box that I can crawl in and suck my thumb? And, uh, you know, I'm making fun of them a little bit, but but uh, it is not necessarily uh, uh, a uh, timid thing that we do here. I think we're really trying to, uh, we're trying to assert something that is very fundamental and almost primal in nature. You haven't seen any black helicopters hovering over your house, have you? Not over my house. You know, we have a place here in uh, Colorado called Idaho Springs that uh, there's just numerous, numerous reports of black helicopters, and it is said that one of those concentration camps is stationed up in the mountains, accessible only by air. Wait a minute. Um, now you are making some news. Um, I've heard ru only rumors of these concentration camps, what exactly do you know? Uh, only the, the uh, material that you get on the Patriot Network and what you hear from talk radio, and they're just saying that uh, you, you, they, there is a holding camp up in the mountains that is accessible only by air to, in which to keep dissidents. Uh, and, you know, no one has yet uh, spotted it. No one has any pictures. Uh, at best, it's only a rumor right now. But, mm. uh, uh, you know, it, it concerns me. There's enough smoke that there has to be some fire in there somewhere. That's the way I'm beginning to feel about it. And, of course, if there is something like that, it seems to me you're a prime candidate to be one of the first occupants. Oh, I don't think they're going to do anything to me. You know, I'm just a little old state representative here in Colorado, and there's not a whole lot they can do to me. It's uh, If I were them, you know, uh, they're... There's only like 2.1 million people uh, under uh, armed forces right now, and I would guess conservatively there are 25 to 50 million patriots ready to uh, step forward to defend me. I, I think the odds are on my side. All right, very good. I'm sure they are. And on the toll-free line, you're on the air with Representative Duke in Colorado. Hello. Uh, Art, just, uh, oh, I'm calling from uh, Seattle, KVI. Yes, sir. Uh, just real quickly, if you would ask uh, Representative Duke, and maybe you could discuss with him, uh, the idea of incorporating the term or the word specifically uh, in powers granted to the federal government. The lack of that word specifically is what the courts use to uh, begin to enumerate many, many powers yes. to themselves. The other thing is uh, the point you were making about uh, Representative Duke uh, being at risk. The fellow who stood up, stood up and asked Clinton uh, at a town meeting, have you ever heard of any country taxing itself into prosperity? Uh, within three or four weeks of that time, he had a complete IRS audit, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so it's not beyond Clinton and uh, people like him to use whatever tactics are necessary to quiet people. Well, but you see, you know, I mean, they would hurt themselves with that kind of stuff because I'm certainly going to make it public. I'm sure Art would be interested in any sort of harassment. He certainly it comes would. down like that, I, I know a couple of other uh, 
certainly your affiliate, KNUS, would make that as public as possible. I don't think uh, it would be very smart of them to try to harass me when all I am trying to do is honor my oath to the people who elected me. I'm trying to uphold the Constitution of the United States. Well, and just, if they're going careful. to send me to jail for upholding the Constitution of the United States, then I think they have fired the fatal shot. Well, remember the troopers uh, with, uh, what's her name, uh, yeah. who, all, who were uh, framed with uh, insurance fraud? Uh-huh. Uh, just that kind of stuff. Yeah, be careful, uh, I, I say. Well, I, I really appreciate your Please your discuss caution. the term specifically, though, if you would, and I'll hang up. All right, thank, thank you. you. Uh, the term specifically. Uh Specifically, I would assume he means specifically enumerated. That's correct. Uh, I use the word enumerated because I was told that that word was sufficient. When you say it is enumerated, it means there is a finite list. There is not this other list that uh, uh, people tend to want to place in there. And I was told that the word enumerated was sufficient to cover that, but I'll certainly take your caution under advisement, and I'll, I'll ask again, uh, do we need to add that word? I presume that that's, you're talking about the powers granted to the federal government, and I would assume that that's the powers you're talking about, and I was told enumerated took care of that, but uh, I'll have them consider it again. All right. One more time, Representative. Hold on. We'll do a couple things and come right back to you and uh, finish up. Okay. Uh, Representative Duke in Colorado, uh, with his, in my opinion, neck out a mile, uh, but doing a very, a very brave and patriotic thing. And uh, obviously a lot of people are very much behind him. to Colorado. Representative, are you still there? I am indeed. All right. Good. We will get that address out. Let's squeeze in a couple of more calls if we can. On our toll-free line, you're on the air with Representative Duke. Hello. Hello there. No, you're not. Uh, make that the first-time caller line, then. You're on the air with Representative Duke. Hello. Hello. Yes. Yes, sir. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you. I just have a question. All right. What is the ultimate relationship, Mr. Duke, that you see between the states and the U.S.? What would you like to see? And um, what do you see the ultimate benefit being to the people? All right. Uh, where are you calling from? Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. All right. Uh, what about that, uh, Representative? Well, I, I would like to see the states be sovereign in most areas. I would like to see those decisions made at the state capitals in accordance with the wishes of the people who live in those states. I would like to see the federal government handle disputes between states, and certainly there are disputes. Uh, we, we face them here with our water. So in a uh, sense, back to the, the you people, representatives, would actually represent our wishes, our will, as you call it. Well, that's, uh, that's my whole campaign, of course. As I'm, I said, I will represent the interests of my district. Uh, above my own, even. That's my job as a representative, is to represent my district. It's right. not my job to go to Denver and uh, execute my own agenda up there. That's preposterous, and there's far too many people okay. doing that. Then what will be the benefit, like I said, to us, to the average uh, You will have How the will decisions very local to you, 
And generally, your representative and your senator, you can just pick up the phone and call them. Most of their numbers are listed locally, and they, a lot of them live at home. You'll, you will feel much more a part of the process than you do now. Well, I've I think called, people feel ostracized. I've never really felt like a constituent, just a voter. Right. That makes sense. All right. Um, very quickly, perhaps time for one more call on the first-time caller line. You're on the air with Representative Duke. Good morning. Well, hi. This is uh, Mike Clark in Olympia, Washington, KVI country. Hi, Mike. I was really concerned about some of the callers that were, uh, you know, asking, is this some is this particular area going to be covered by the federal? Are you going to take it over? It's really quite clear. If you have a look at the United States Code. There are portions of the code, specific titles, that were enacted as positive law. Those things have effect over all of the United States to include all of the states and the internal parts of the states. The United States code that was not enacted in such a way, which includes such things as the Internal Revenue Code, by the way, and Title 27, which has to do with the gun control stuff, that only pertains actually to the federal zone, District of Columbia, and non-state entities within the United States of America. And that's probably one way that um, you can get out of this without having to worry so much about, you know, what's what's in our jurisdiction, what's in the federal jurisdiction. Well, uh, you're certainly right. Uh, that is sort of a halfway point. I had in mind that the states would assume total sovereignty over all other powers and uh, essentially laws that are outside the span of their authority are uh, for all intents and purposes invalid. All over the West, uh, the counties uh, are reclaiming federal land for their own, for example. And so many of those uh, uh, decisions affecting lands are considered moot today because uh, uh, the, the federal government was always a, just a custodian anyway. All right. So, Representative, we're utterly out of time. I've I'm got sorry. to go, but it has been a pleasure. I've learned a lot. I'm sure everybody out there has learned a lot, and you're going to get a lot of mail. And <laughs> what I would like to do is re-interview you, perhaps after it gets through the Senate, and we begin to get a reaction to it. Would you sure. be willing to go for that? Sure. I'd be happy to, Art. All right. Well, got a great audience. Thank you. It has been a pleasure, and please join us again. Take care. Thank you. Representative Charles Duke from Colorado, where there's a kind of a quiet or not-so-quiet revolution going on. We'll be back. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. of Premier Networks. This is the fifth of five hours this morning. It is also the hour that we are joined, uh, believe it or not, by WBLYAM, a brand new affiliate in Springfield, Ohio. Good morning in Ohio. It's uh, actually, I guess, the sun's coming up now in Ohio, isn't it? Or is it? I don't. I don't know. Uh, it's two hours. Two hours difference. to I think that's right. Maybe it, okay. It isn't coming up yet. At any rate, it is uh, uh, Mr. Mike Manley, the program director of WBLYAM in Springfield, that facilitated our being here. So, 
Thank you uh, very much, Mike. And uh, what we'll do in celebration of your presence is what we always do. We will open up our toll-free line this hour for the listeners of WBLY AM in Springfield. So if that's where you are, call us at 1-800-618-8255. That's 1-800-618-8255. You're catching the last hour of a five-hour program there in Ohio, and we're glad to have you. We've been talking about uh, all sorts of things. It's just open-line talk radio, and so I'm not going to uh, burden you with a rehash of everything. You'll kind of get the idea as we go along. The other telephone numbers, first-time callers at area code 702-727-1222. And uh, the wild card lines, of course, area code 702-727-1295. So whatever you would like to talk about is fair game. I would ask everybody out there, hold up on the toll-free line so we can get to Springfield, Ohio. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Yeah, uh, say I'd like to talk to Art Bell about uh, uh, Representative Duke and, and its implications for Clinton's health plan. Okay, Representative Duke was uh, was here with us earlier, did a two-hour interview. He has rewritten the Tenth Amendment for Colorado and basically is declaring the sovereignty of Colorado. What uh-huh. about what? No, uh, you know what I'm thinking is if they come up with all these health alliances. What's going to happen if, if, if uh, swing states like California, Texas, or New Jersey say, uh, uh, "Sorry, we're out"? Well, then I guess um, I guess then we all hang separately. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Bell, am I speaking to you? Uh, it's good speaking with you, sir. Thank you. I don't know how it would affect health care. It would depend on the uh, the attitude, I suppose, in Colorado about uh, about health care. In other words, they will consider each individual mandate or initiative from the federal government uh, separately. On our first-time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hey, Art. This is uh, Damien calling from uh, 610 KONA in Pasco, Washington. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks. Um, I wanted to call and clear up this thing on grunge. Yes. Um, I am 18 years old, and I guess you might say that I am in the grunge look or whatever it is. All right. And uh, it's not about depression. It's not about all this stuff. I mean, it's just about being yourself. I mean, just, I mean... And this well, look, why, why is so much of the music apparently depressing, as in uh, talking about suicide or depression or, you know, kind of the dark side of everything? Is there anything to that? Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, if you, can, if you sit down and actually listen to some of the music, it doesn't talk about that. It doesn't? It's actually, it's a stereotype that's been placed on it because, I mean... They don't like the look. I mean, first of all, I mean, shoot, I know. I mean, we do kind of dress a little raggedy, but I believe that's our choice. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be, I mean, even though society does, you shouldn't base somebody on the way they look and what they listen to. All right. Well, uh, what about the suicide of uh, Kurt Cobain? Uh, Any comments on that? Well, my only comment on that would probably be, I mean, that's pretty much a personal thing. I mean... He did it because he had his reasons. I wouldn't associate it with the grunge look. I mean, I've heard that he's had uh, drug and alcohol problems and stuff like that. I mean, a heroin addiction. I mean, even a lot even to that. so, even so, at 27 years of age, uh, with all the money in the world and all the future in the world, something awful had to be at work to cause him to want to leave the world like that. Well, yeah, I admit that, but um, I, we don't know all the facts. 
I mean, well, we don't. I just heard on the news that they say that he left a suicide note. Right. Do you and, think? Do you think it'll be released? Well, they said so on the news that they've already released some of what it's on. And what? What are the? They comments? said it's mostly him saying how much he loves his wife and his kid. <laughs> that and doesn't make all sense either. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well. That doesn't make sense either. If you're so much in love with your wife and child, why would you be so anxious to lose them? So much these days in America does not make sense to me. The suicide of Kurt Cobain, lead singer for Nirvana, and uh, it sounds pretty grungy to me. On the uh, toll-free line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. I uh, wanted to ask you if you'd heard about the latest, uh, well, I hesitate to call it a fad, it's called Laser Splash. No, I've not heard of it. What is it? It's where they're taking a uh, a laser beam and a microchip, and they're they're inserting it in the earlobe of customers, if that's what you want to call them. And what they're doing is they're using, well, they only uh, gave three uh, logos, uh, Pepsi-Cola, um, Apple Computer, and IBM, and you this laser and chip is put into your earlobe with the logo, when you go to a various uh, store for a purchase, you get 10% off the uh, off the retail price if you have this logo. Now, my question is, uh, uh, well, first of all, that's kind of scary to me, but I don't understand why they have to put a computer chip in there. They could just put a tattoo on there. I guess it's the scanning device that they're going to use on your your earlobe. Now they put they put a chip in your earlobe, and if you've got the chip in your earlobe, you get 10% off. Is that about right? Yes. That's, and, and that's it's, dumb. It's the way it looks as they put it in a logo, you know, like the Apple, on the Apple computer business. Uh, that's incredible. I, are you sure about that? Well, it was on uh, uh, public radio three days ago. They were interviewing really? the young lady that had started the company uh, in New York. <sighs> well, sounds grungy to me. Well, it sounds like it's going to, if it, if it takes hold, uh, there's going to be a lot of, people wearing various uh, logos on their earlobe, but what bothers me is... Uh, why, why don't they just put it on your shoulder? Well, then, 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 then you'd have a chip <laughs> on your shoulder. <laughs> hey, where are you calling from, sir? The flagship of Phoenix, Oregon. Phoenix, Oregon? Yes. Uh, okay, uh, what is the flagship of Phoenix, Oregon? Uh, Medford. Medford. Uh, O-K-O-P-E. Very good. Uh, thank you very much for the call. Then you'd have a chip on your shoulder. <laughs> Chips inserted in our brains, uh, in through our ear with four-inch uh, needles and all the rest of it. <sighs> it's terrible stuff. Take me away in a black helicopter. All right, everybody. Now, I'm reserving away the toll-free line. Hear me now. That gentleman may have already been dialing. I'm reserving away the toll-free line for listeners of my new affiliate, WBLY. You join now, coming up on 100 affiliates uh, in Springfield, Ohio. So if you're in Springfield, Ohio, and you're up at this hour, welcome to All Night Talk Radio. You can reach us at 1-800-618-8255. And on that line, you're on the air. Where are you calling from, hey. please? I'm on the air? Yes, sir. Okay, this is Brian from Tucson. Okay, Brian, we're holding this line open for Springfield, Ohio. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay, well, uh, I guess I'll call back later. All right, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, see, I'm trying to do the right thing here. A brand-new affiliate, Springfield, Ohio, holding the line open for people there. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art Bell. Yes, sir. Where are you? 
Uh, Tacoma, KVI country. All right, good. Welcome to the program. Last night there was some interesting stuff I wasn't able to call. I, that I, I like the idea of uh, assimilating and using the concept or idea uh, from the Singapore event. Oh, the caning of Michael. Well, just using some um, plain, simple, real, physical punishment. Like what? Like a modern-day stockade. Seems to me that they could take... Okay, most all the prisons in the country are overstocked. And if they had these stockades made up, a uh, fairly modern, cheer-like thing, and they could take out, you know, a hundred of these prisoners and lock them up physically for four hours a day. That's something that prisoners won't like so much. No TV, no radio. Locked up, shut up, sit still. That's it. Yep. And it might give them a little... An opportunity to, you know, slow down, maybe find some discipline, maybe find some motive and reason to stay out of jail. Maybe it would work, and and you would support that right here in good old America. Right now. Right now. All right, well, I think you're not alone. Thank you very much for the call. There's a lot of people out there who are ready uh, for, for a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of that kind of punishment uh, right here across this country, and they think that it would work, and they think it because of the situation there. And I can't blame you. I join you in that feeling. Real, immediate punishment for real crimes. Uh, somehow it would work, wouldn't it? On our toll-free line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. Hi. Where are you? Not to beat it into the ground, but another comment on Singapore. Okay, where are you, please? Fairbanks, Alaska. Okay, but we're holding this open for Ohio. Thank you very much for the call on the first-time callers, area 702-727-1222. Um, we don't take last names on the air, okay. so uh, let's try it again. Okay. What What is your first name, please? Judd. Judd, and where are you calling from, Judd? From uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Good, okay, you're on the air. Okay, I'd just like to make a quick comment uh, about uh, previous callers about the uh, grunge scene, or as as it were, the the term grunge. Right. Um, I, I think that uh, the person Kurt Cobain was personally uh, had some problems, and uh, the only way that he could deal with it was to uh, escape and uh, eventually kill himself. And I think that it has nothing to do with the whole scene. I think that uh, what his personal uh, problems were, at, at, in effect, were uh, built up through time, and uh, he might have expressed them through lyrics or uh, his music and songwriting, but uh, I think the person was troubled. Obviously troubled. Yes. Do you think uh, Do you think it was because of, do you think it's success? In other words, what, it's such an ultimate move to make. I love my wife, he said in the note, I love my child. Right. What in God's name, somebody who's got that much money, that much influence, that much fame, that much going for him, 27 years old? Yeah. Well, that's really funny because, in fact, me and my friends were talking about that tonight. Uh, I'm 25 years old. And uh, we were laughing, like, why at the pinnacle of your career would you want to do something such as, you know, as, as drastic as that? And I think uh, he, he really, he, he is really against the idea of selling out meaning uh, being very popular and whatnot. And I think that uh, tonight he, he probably sold out the worst in the worst way that he ever could, and that's by taking his own life. And I don't think that that was uh, the right decision. I mean, as, as much money as he made mm -hmm. and as uh, how popular he was with everybody, and he, he really is a voice of a generation, so to speak, to many people, that I think he, he copped out in the worst way. And I, I'm really saddened by that, but at the same time, 
um, you know, that's the way it goes, I guess. I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. And uh, anybody else wishing to comment on that is welcome to. I guess it's always a head shaker when people take their own life, or usually it is anyway. card line you're on the air good morning good morning art bell hi there well it's a pleasure to talk to a real patriotic american thank you um in regard to this uh man that uh, took the shotgun and blew himself away well there's a real horrible way to go but uh i don't know some of these characters they just can't seem to handle uh success well, maybe it's not too horrible a way to go. It's a horrible thing to do. I imagine it's very quick. It's horrible for those who have to walk in on it, but it's very quick. The question is, why yeah. would somebody that young with that much want to go? Yeah, it's really a pity that the, uh, the family really have to suffer. I mean, it's almost like a disease, rock star-itis. Yeah. They get famous, they get money, they get, uh, they get crazy. Yeah, it's too bad. It's just like some of the uh, star athletes, uh, basketball, football. That's they, right. Uh, That's exactly right. Yeah, they have all the all the needs of life, but they just uh, they just blow it away, and then they uh, get on the drugs, and it's bye bye. Yeah, that's it's, it. All right, sir. All right. Um, anyway, uh, you're talking about the music. You know, Miller, Guy Lombardo, Kay Kaiser, Artie Shaw. To me, that's the music. That's the real music, huh? You better believe it. And I suppose when Elvis Presley showed up on the scene, that ended real music. That's right. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Dexter, I know him very well. Oh, Dexter Yard? Yeah, you better believe it. Oh, he's quite a guy. My, my son and he are personal friends. They're both the same age. And, uh, in fact, I repaired some equipment for his fertilizer to fertilize those uh, beautiful carnations. Well, it is everything I say it is. It is, really. Okay, sir. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Yes, he does exactly what he says he does. He sends out more flowers than anybody else in the business, period. It's a great deal. The only place he advertises, uh, I believe, is right here, certainly in the, in the electronic media. That's Dexter Yard's Absolutely Fresh Flowers. 1-800-562-6438. Hello there on the wild card line. You're on the air. Good morning, Art. Good morning, sir. <clears throat> I was uh, directed to looking at a story in the L.A. Times for June 29. There's a major break on the story for Whitewater and what have you. And so I started looking back earlier in the year, and the late week, of, or late in uh, March... From about the 20th on to the end of the month, there are... Call the wild card lines, area 702-727-1295. Ties to Clinton. And uh, there was an article on March 27th where Clinton <clears throat> had uh, an argument, apparently, with the legislature about the content of the ethics bill they were trying to pass at the time. So he apparently made a deal with a legislator that he would submit to the people. But when the bill went to the people, it deleted him and his family and a bunch of his appointees from being covered by this ethics bill and disclosure law. 
Now, looking at uh, Hillary's activities back there and how they seem to like to funnel money through her, uh, that seems rather strange. Me too. I think that uh, there's a lot of this activity back there in Arkansas that I think you're trying to ignore or something. I don't know why, but uh, it's... No, I'm not. I just don't... uh, I'm not reacting to every allegation that's made. I'm waiting for the proof. I think uh, uh, normally uh, you've been somebody who would do that, too. Well, I think that the L.A. Times has no reputation for supporting Republicans, and yet here they're breaking these major stories back there in 1992 about what has been going on back there, and you keep saying they're allegations. They are. Well, uh, when major newspapers... Until report, until somebody is convicted of, of something, a violation of uh, uh, of the law, until there is actually a conviction, then they are allegations, unless you have some definition of that, wor- uh, that word that I'm not aware of. Uh. Well, what about uh, Waco and, and Randy Weaver? Those were allegations until they were proven. Um. Allegations until they're proven? I don't understand what you mean. Uh, Certainly, I I understand what the deal is with Randy Weaver, and there are yet to be charges brought against some of the federal uh, agents that were there. Randy Weaver was claiming that they shot his wife and his son and so forth. These were not not proven. Well, actually, they remain uh, allegations until some of the feds are convicted of it. It didn't stop you from talking about it, though, and it seems like... I'm not... I'll talk about anything. Well... You know... I'll talk about anything, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time dwelling on it. That's what I have you for, to dwell on things that uh, that I'm not ready to yet dwell on. This is this is a story that might bring a president down, and you're not even going to pay any attention to it? You're going to let the callers take care of it? Yeah, that's right. Thank you for the call. You know, that, that guy annoys me. He annoys me. He's annoyed me for years. You know, you call, sir, and you say what you want to say. That's what I let you do. I open these lines. But don't you tell me what to say. Don't you tell me what to do. And don't you tell me what to think. I don't tell you what to think. Don't you tell me what to think. That's the way the relationship is going to have to be, or there's going to be a divorce here. Now, we've gone through this before. I hope you hear me this time, because I'm really very serious. I allow you to call what you about what you want to call about. I do that. I'm very generous in that regard. I don't screen calls here. I just let people get it on, get on the radio, and say what they want to say. That's what this forum is all about. But you're not going to tell me what to dwell on. You're not going to order me uh, to talk about anything. I'm not, uh, in, in fact, if anything, you're going to cause exactly the opposite by telling me what I ought to be doing. So as far as I'm concerned, you can go jump in a big, big damn lake. And have a good day, sir. <laughs> We're going to pause here at the bottom of the hour uh, for um, uh, for local stations, and we'll be back with more. Don't forget, we're reserving the toll-free line for Ohio. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from April 8, 1994. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. 
Good morning, Art. Sir Charles of Sherwood, Oregon, listening to you on KEXC 1190. Yes, sir, the mighty. It is, and we're really looking forward to you moving up soon. Oh, we are, too. And a quick comment before I get to grunge is Representative Duke is an extremely brave man in my book. In my book, too. Um, Now, about grunge, um, one of three forms of protest music, you could call it, for the youth today. You know, there's gangster rap, which is mainly listened to by black youth. And the heavy metal, which is a lower-class white youth type of music. And then there's grunge, which is mainly a music of the upper-middle-class white youth who, for some reason, feel alienated. Depre- depressed, society. yeah, depressed, apparently, and uh, uh, with diminished expectations, I've heard, and it's all very sad, isn't it? Yes, it is, and I think that you've coined a good adjective here to describe incomp- incomprehensible. Incomprehensible behavior would be something grungy. Yeah. Something that you just doesn't make any sense. Well, grunge to me always indicated exactly that grungy. Something not favorable, something awful. And yes. bad. Yes. Grungy. And it is, in a sense, it is much like the, the hippie music of the 60s, in that the, the hippies were the kids who didn't go to Vietnam, who, who could afford the college deferments. Yes. And, you know, while the poor kids, of course, went. Um, grunge is this later version of it, is what it is. For some reason, I don't understand it. They feel America is a rotten country, and it's a rotten system, and there's no hope for a better world, and and thus there's nothing but personal. You know, only I count. Only my feelings matter. That that other uh, things don't matter. Keep it up, and I'm going to get suicidal. Well, you know, and it is. <laughs> it's depressing. I don't personally yes. can't stand listening to it. Um, the young gentleman who committed suicide was just a, a reflection of this. I mean, if you sit there and think those thoughts all day long, you sing those songs all day long, eventually you're going to become like that. And it's, it's a sad, uh, I guess, sad sign of what the times are coming to. Well, music is a big influence. It, it has been in my life, uh, at least until recent years. I've done so much talk, I haven't had that much time for music, but I love it. Well, especially in our younger years. And so I can understand that music that preaches depression, uh, lack of hope, would eventually get to somebody. And you have to ask if that isn't, you know, part of it. I think it is. You're absolutely right, Art. And I just want to say you got a great show and appreciate everything. Thank you and take care. All right. First time caller line. You're on the air. Good morning, Art. Hello. Yes. Finally got through. Yes, sir. Um, Where are are you? I am in Yakima, Washington, calling from KIT. Yes, sir. You bet. And I just wanted to briefly comment on... Yes? Um, I grew up in Aberdeen, Washington, where he's from originally, right. uh, before moving here a few years ago. Oh, yes. Um, Aberdeen is a very isolated, small logging community, and Kurt Cobain's dream was always to move to the big city and become, you know, the big, biggest, biggest, <clears throat> excuse me, biggest kind of musician he can. And, uh, you know, he eventually escaped, and I think what happened to Kurt was he was a a uh, product of his own environment, meaning he... Um, like like the person who reads and finally ends up leaving their own uh, press clippings. Yes, sir. Exactly. He created this nirvana. He created this, this lifestyle that he wanted to lead, but he got what he wished for, and I think he wished for too much. Yeah, well, they say be careful what you wish for, eh? Absolutely. All right, sir. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Um, that, that, that simple. Is it really that simple? And hello on our toll-free line. You're on the air. 
Oh, wait a minute. No, you're not. Let me do this and this. You're on the air now on our toll-free line. Hello. Coleman, Ohio. Coleman, Ohio. Where is Coleman, Ohio, sir? Oh, he's gone. I guess he's not in Coleman, Ohio. <laughs> on our uh, wild card line, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, Art, Texas, Bob, San Jose, California. Hi there. How are you? Fine. Uh, about, you know, salmon, um, I'm an avid steelhead salmon fisherman, and uh, around my neighborhood uh, in the South San Francisco Bay Area, we haven't seen salmon on any of the streams for probably 40, 50 years. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Well, now these last two years, we got a lot of rain. Now, I live about 20 miles from the bay. As they've continued to fill up the bay, the bay keeps receding towards the, the north from me. We've been finding uh, salmon in a stream probably two, three blocks from my house, and and they keep working their way further upstream. So um, I'm sorry for the Northwest having our problems, but we're getting better down here. You know, uh, I want to thank you on behalf of musicians all over the world for uh, spending some time enough time, anyway, to, to give Darren Isaacs a break that most musicians who are trying to earn their livings look for and look for and most in most cases never find. And um, you've done a wonderful thing for him. Well, I hope so. Uh, his, his product is wonderful. Uh, he is a particular genius, and, uh, and I think he's headed for Carnegie Hall, so I'm just trying to help out. Yeah, well, he's, he's been seen around, and, you know, and, and a lot of people have passed on him who now will not because he's beginning to produce some money, which brings us to Kurt Culhane. You know, his problem is no different than every other musician who, in a, within a period of time, usually probably less than six or eight months, goes from making no money or owing a lot of money to making millions and millions and millions of dollars. He made $20 million last year personally himself. Wow, wow. And, and, and the problems that come with that are... Are they're they're weird? They're different. They only occur to those people that make that kind of money in that short a period of time, and the kinds of things that he was facing every day are are problems that uh, I guess we would all dream to have those problems certainly. But um, um, there, for instance, there are things like uh, um, how you can plan your personal uh, security during the day because all of a sudden there is no more personal life. It disappears. It's gone. And you need to have people that take care of those things. All right, sir. I've got to run. We're out of time. Thank you very much for the call. Um, You would think, though, that kind of money could buy you privacy, isolation, and security. And why couldn't it? You say you have no more personal life. Well, I suppose in a sense you don't. But I think people can pretty much get what they go after. And with that much money, why couldn't you buy the privacy, buy the isolation, and buy the security if you wanted to? So maybe that isn't what he wanted, or maybe he couldn't do it. Or maybe, as Ted Turner once said, success is kind of an empty bag. And when you get it, you're not sure what to do next. It's as though you've done it, and so where where do we go now? On the toll-free line, you're on the air. Hello. Where are you calling from, please? I'm calling from Yelm, Washington, and good oh, morning to well, you. Well, good morning to you, but we're holding this open for ho- uh, for Ohio. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. Thank you very much for the call, and uh, good morning. We're trying to hold it open. It doesn't seem as though it's going to be possible, though. Well, I try that from time to time. I try and hold lines open, and then I just can't do it. If you're in Ohio, it's 1-800-618-8255. If you're not in Ohio, please give those folks a chance to get through. Let's see, there was something else on my mind. Oh, 
Somebody called and wanted our bulletin board number. We do have a computer bulletin board. And uh, if you have a modem and a computer and you're so inclined, it is area code 702-727-7091. Let me give that again, area code 702-727-7091. On our second wild card line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello there. No, you're not. On the third wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Art? Just fine, sir. Where are you? Well, I'm still in the state of Oregon. Okay. This is Martin. Okay. And once again, um, it's been sort of a little trouble getting a break here. Uh, Apparently, I sent a letter off to Clinton, and what they've decided to do is let these Serbs uh, start their torturing. It's been all over the TV. And the other part of uh, the Serbs are starting their torturing, murdering, and raping. Now, what the uh, Clinton administration has done, and once again, it's going to be the only one, uh, I'm going to be the only one uh, that's uh, wanting to have these airstrikes on to the Serbs. Uh, What I guess the people of America are doing is deciding that these children and things like that, these women and stuff like that, you know, they have no kind of military kind of value. So when Clinton goes into church, I heard he's been going to church, and what he should do is like, this is like a sacrifice. You see, the United States, uh, every time I turn on the TV, there's some kind of man or woman which wants to fight a military combat mission. I'm not talking about landing troops there. But you see, I watched a thing on TV the other night about the Holocaust with the boxcars and stuff like that. Uh, This is is basically what's happening. It just hasn't changed. You see, uh, I don't know, it's all these radio talk shows that I listen to Nobody seems to care about these children and women and stuff like that was being murdered and tortured and raped by the Serbs. Now, if we allow this to happen, as I mentioned, I don't know, no one would hear this. Uh, the Serbs are connected to Syria, which is connected to a whole military uh, a military regime. All right, sir, we've got to hold it there. We're out of time, but listen to me. I, it's not that people don't care, and I think it's in a lot of ways wrong for you to make that accusation. People do care. People care uh, about strife and hunger and uh, war around the world where it's occurring. I think it's just that a lot of Americans feel that it is not our position, as in ordering our youth, our young people, to shed their blood for somebody else's civil war. And that's exactly what it is, somebody else's civil war. I'm not even sure that the um, uh, intervention in Sarajevo was proper. And uh, what's going on in Grazda right now and uh, some other areas is awful. It's, it's terrible. I admit that. But at the end of the day, after I've sat down and I've thought about it very carefully, it's not worth sending our young people to die for. And I, I have not yet heard you ever make that case. On our toll-free line, you're on the air. Good morning. Where are you calling from, please? Springfield. Springfield, Ohio. Well, all right. I guess everybody else is asleep, huh? Well, they just couldn't get through. Welcome to the program. Uh, Yeah, I was just calling about uh, Kurt Cobain. Yes. I'm 24. I've been listening to that music ever since it started back in the 80s. And they've been around a while, you know. And uh, I don't think anybody can really speculate on that guy just because nobody knew him personally other than his friends. That, that's true. All you up. can do is kind of comment generally about, you know, his having had so much and giving up so early. Sure, but, you know, you never know. Heroin is a very 
very, very hardcore drug. I mean, it's not like sitting down and having a drink or smoking a joint or something. It's like sticking a needle in your veins and, you know, it's a hardcore drug. I hear you. Big head trip. Sure. So, you know, who knows what he was thinking when he did that. But I tell you what, when somebody shoots themselves in the head with a shotgun, they aren't messing around. They want to be dead. They want to be dead. That's right. And uh, somebody said it's an awful way to go. It probably isn't. It's probably very instantaneous. It's just, uh, it's just a terrible way for those who are left here on Earth. His wife and kid will be taken care of and everything. That is really terrible. But at least they'll have enough money to take care of themselves from now on. But I don't think it has anything to do with the music that he sang. No? Uh, really well, tell me, if you're familiar with the music, is it depressing? Is it, uh, does it sort of a chron chronicle uh, diminishing returns for the current generation? Not necessarily. They just, um, I don't know, you know, the, the, the last ten years have been kind of depressing all the way around as far as just the news, watching the news on the TV. And if you sing about anything to do with current events or anything to do with the... Uh, social issues of the time, especially right now, you're going to be singing about a certain amount of depressing things. You know what I mean? I guess it, to sing about today is to sing about some depressing stuff, yeah. Certainly, and so I don't think it should be labeled um, necessarily depressing or driving people to suicide, because every type of music has had to go through that since, you know, the 70s, when they tried to pin suicides on uh, people like Judas Priest and Ozzy Osbourne when he's by himself, and Black Sabbath when Ozzy Osbourne was just sang for Black Sabbath. They were all, you know, they've all been taken to court and everything. Yeah, it is a rock star disease, though, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, bye-bye. Springfield, Ohio, and our new affiliate there. And if you're in Springfield, Ohio, it's 1-800-618-8255, our new affiliate there, uh, WBLY, is that correct? Oh, where is it? WBLY. I'm pretty sure that's correct. WBLY. Yep, that's it. Purely from memory, and I was correct. Oh. On the first-time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Uh, yeah, this is Stephen. I'm from Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho. K-I-D-O, I suspect. Uh, yep. Okay, you're on the air. Um, I just wanted to tell the people out there that this radio station is kind of cool because this shows how great America really is. I mean, that somebody can call up and just voice their opinion on just anything. And uh, people really take that for granted. I just think that people who complain about America's problems should just sit back and just appreciate what we can do compared to the other countries. I just wanted to make that. I'm glad you did. And uh, at, at least that's kind of an up sound. Good for you. Thank you for the call. Mm -hmm. That's right. This is the greatest country. If you doubt that, if you doubt that, do a little traveling. I'm telling you, get out of the, you know, get out of the area. Get out of the country. Go visit some Caribbean islands, something cheap. won't cost you that much. Go down to Mexico. Go on down to Central or South America. Go to parts of Asia. Uh, travel around the world and look at what it's like elsewhere you'll reconsider losing what we have here, I think. On the toll-free line, you're on the air. Good morning. How are you doing? Okay, sir. Where are you? I'm in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, Wisconsin. Well, I'm holding this open for Ohio, so thank you for the call. It's hard, but I'm trying. Uh, we're holding that line for Ohio until the top of the hour. <laughs>
On the t- on the wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Um, yeah, I was calling about the, the Mr. Duke, the representative Duke you had on there. Yes. I was so glad to hear somebody like him finally uh, coming forward like that. And I kind of wanted to tie it in with the uh, with uh, the Chicago thing they had going there. All right, I want to ask you a question. When you call, you've always got a lot of noise in the background. What is that? Uh, I work in a sawmill. Oh, that would do it. Yeah, <laughs> I have saws and everything going here. Um, yeah, the the thing about the Chicago where they tried to give up their uh, constitutional rights there, and I was glad to hear there was a judge that had enough sense to realize that they shouldn't do that. Well, they didn't. Uh, the judge, uh, uh, but but I'll tell you something. The Chicago Public Housing Authority is now saying they're going to go ahead with the searches anyway. Well, I hope if they do, that uh, that uh, they're brought up on charges for going against the Constitution. Uh, this is very serious. To, the idea to give up your constitutional rights for something that is so uh, uh, temporary in the first place, because when they get in the court system anyway, they'll be back out on the street again. So what good is it going to do them? Oh, that's a good point. And, and they're going to give up a constitutional right for that? I mean, that, that's, that seems pretty ridiculous to me. And me, and to me as well, sir. Thank you uh, very much for the call. White City, Oregon, on the toll-free line. You're on the air. Good morning. Yes. Uh, Hello, sir. Turn your radio off, please. And uh, tell us where you're calling from. Rampart, Alaska. Okay. Well, thank you for the call, but we're holding that open for Hawaii. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Art. Good morning. I'm from Bakersfield here. KNZR in Bakersfield. I was, I'm so glad that I got on before you go off the air. Uh, I want to talk about Kurt Cobain. Yes. Uh, no, none of his lyrics, as far as I know, really ever reflected any type of suicidal message. I do have to say that uh, when their first commercial success album came out, it played kind of an important role in my life, although it, it sounds strange. But you know how, Art, when you were growing up and songs from, say, the 50s and the 60s just kind of are in the back of your mind. When you hear them again, they bring back a really pleasurable thought. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of how Nirvana is for me. And it was kind of sad to see another one go, another sort of rock star go. I agree. Um, And a couple of songs in Nirvana I really like, although... They really don't have probably any... You couldn't really understand the meaning if you tried to find it. They do have a lot of meaning to me. Uh, it's a shame. I think that Kurt Cobain should be... If he's going to be uh, hailed as some type of death rock star, he should be put down in the book of what not to do. I guess that's right. Uh, it is a disease, though, and so many of our great artists have gone that way. It's It's sad. It's just very sad, and I'm sad for you. I don't share the, you know, I I did I wasn't a fan of his mm-hmm. or Nirvana, but I share your loss, and I understand it. And I've got to go because I'm almost out of time here. Good night, Art, and thanks. Good night, and thank you. And uh, time for maybe one more on our toll-free line. You're on the air, top of the morning. Where are you calling from, I'm please? I'm calling from Springfield, Ohio. Well, welcome to the program. <laughs> thank you. And I'm Hazel. And uh, we're very glad to have you coming to Springfield, Ohio, uh, WBLY. Thank you. And I'm an early riser, a senior citizen, and I agree with your comments uh, completely. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, ma'am, and uh, thank all of you. We're now out of time, utterly and completely out of time. We have a program called Dreamland, which is going to be coming up this Sunday at 7 o'clock. 
That's when I will next be heard with a gentleman named Stoker Hunt. It'll be a fascinating program called Ouija, the Most Dangerous Game, or he's written a book called Ouija, the Most Dangerous Game. And it is a, a pretty significant subject. I'll be telling a story, a personal story, that a lot of people have waited for about Ouija. And I'm only going to tell it once, and I'm not going to repeat it, so you'll have to be here Sunday for it. That's Dreamland. It, it airs from 7 to 10 o'clock Pacific Time. If you don't yet have Dreamland, by all means, talk to your local radio station and ask them to get it. Monday morning would be a good time to do that. And maybe you'll get next, next week's Dreamland. But for the 43 affiliates that take it, see you Sunday night. For the rest of you, see you Monday night, Tuesday morning here once again.